Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I'm online at sleepbettercolumbus.com. Hello, friends. You're now listening to the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I just said I'm it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Uh, look sure it up. Because it's Hulk sure Hogan. Is. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. I mean, he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's do a live on a Thursday, Thursday edition of the program. It's a get-out-of-town Thursday edition for young Chopper as he's going to fly across the pond today. So he's got that to look forward to, which is very nice. Paul Feinbaum going to join us at 1033. Jody Shelley coming up at 1133. We've got higher, lower. We've got your emails. Uh, one that includes the title Arrogance, which I always get excited when I get one that says Arrogance. I think that's a lot of fun. Um we we'll start here. I um, I, it's been no secret that the uh, my affection for curb your enthusiasm is um, robust, and one of the cool things about it through the years has been the, well, first of all, the fact that it's been the funniest show on television for twenty years is a pretty remarkable thing. Um, one of the constants in the show, of course, is Richard Lewis. Um, now, Richard Lewis is an Ohio State graduate. He has accomplished a great many things in his career. He passed yesterday, but he accomplished a great many things in his career. But you could argue um, that the one thing that he was maybe as proud of as anything was his Ohio State degree. Um, this is this is he's mentioned this many many times through the years and at various venues and uh, on various platforms. Um, I was lucky enough. Um, in between when I was out of Columbus and then back in, I, I used to do the eleven Dubcats with eleven Warriors with Johnny Ginter and. One day, uh, Jason said, I, I've got a gift for you, Jason Priestess. And I said, okay. I said, what do you got? And he goes, how would you like to have Richard Lewis on the dubcast? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm in. We're in. We're do. Let's do that. Let's, let's make that happen. So we, um, we, it was arranged. We used to tape that show. I can't remember if we taped it on Sunday nights. I don't remember when we taped it, but Tuesday nights, maybe I can't remember, but we would tape it. It was at night. And, um, when you, when you tape, in, at that time, this is probably around 16 or 17. My hunch is they probably have linked it in some of their coverage, if, if you want to listen to it. Um, but we, we ended up going for about an hour. Um, when in those days, what we would do is we would, we would connect and they would, then we would say, okay, let's roll. So Johnny and I were on and we had, we had a stream going. It wasn't quite a streamlined. COVID streamlined all of that. So it was a little more clunky. Um, but we had it set up and we were ready to go and. We called Richard Lewis, and when we called him, he was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> it was like he was walking out at Rockefeller Center to perform his greatest stand-up ever. I mean, that's how fired up he was, and he did not, did not let either one of us talk for probably two or three minutes, okay? He went not straight through, 
And and I he said something to the effect of this is at least how I remember it in my mind's eye. He said something to the effect of, now what do you got to say to me now? Or something like that. Or now do you have any questions? And it, this was after like three minutes. He went straight. And I said, Well, Mr. Lewis, we thank you so much. We weren't rolling on any of that. Because we hadn't recorded yet. <laughs> oh no. So, so that's just for you. That, that's it was nowhere. just for us. It's gone. It's vaporized. So we because we wanted to make sure that it was him, right? Like, so you wanted to make sure that, you know, before you hit record, it was like, hey, you know, sometimes some of the people you would talk to in those days would want a little heads up about what you're going to talk about, whatever. Well, he required none of that. He thought it was, to, to, in his head, it was like, let's just do live radio. Let's go. Which is always the best way. I was telling the story to Fish, and I said, that's why I always prefer to do things live because then everybody knows what the arrangement is. You start doing things taped and you don't know. So he ended up talking. It was probably 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Um, I'm not sure Johnny and I asked a total of five questions. You would just tee him up on Buckeyes, LD, Curb, his memories, Rose Bowl game, told an incredible story about um, getting having to leave the 97 Rose Bowl game early because of Larry David. Um, so that was in there. But it was he just would he just was so excited to talk about anything Buckeyes. And I saw it's interesting. I saw Tim May tweet yesterday that like he had like a DM relationship on X with him <laughs> because because he covered the Bucks and so they would go back and forth. And um, he was he was a, he was a joy. And his stuff on Curb is among the funniest from the standpoint of there are a few people I think who they were born like what three three beds away from each other. David and, and Richard Lewis, like really? they were born in the same hospital, like three beds away. And so they've known each other literally their whole life. And he's like the one guy who can kind of go at him. And I think there's legitimacy to it. And even the last episode on Sunday, it was brilliant. Like they went back and forth. And they, ironically enough, they were talking about how I'm going to live longer than you and I'm going to write you in my will and all of this stuff. And, and it was, it's priceless. It was, it's fantastic. You will be missed. His comedy made me laugh really going all the way back to the early 90s he had a sitcom with jamie lee curtis that i remember as a young kid watching um but he he was always the man he was great on hollywood squares which is another thing that you guys aren't even aware of but that was like a game show that was on i think it's he back, was very good actually. At that. is it back <laughs> yeah it's so. pretty good and he was always very good on that as well so um he if i'm sure that the guys at 11 warriors will put that up or because it was really really good yeah, you're right about like his ability to go at Larry David because it, it was always from a different standpoint. He wasn't trying to like prove him wrong per mm -hmm. se. He was just trying to like, well, what if you, I think kind of like change his perspective? Like that's the way he attacks him because everybody else gets so vitriolic against Larry David, at least in the show. But it yeah. kind of seems like there's a lot of uh, crossover between Larry David in the show and Larry David in real life. I mean, the man just choked Elmo on live TV, but that's true. he always had his Ohio State cap in whenever they would go golfing in the show. Mm -hmm. And that always stood out to me. And that was my introduction of like looking into, oh, well, why is he wearing an Ohio State hat? That, that uh, catches my interest. Look into it. Oh, wow. He's an Ohio State grad. So. Yeah, seeing that news yesterday, sad, um, and it's it, you could tell watching the show that like he was aging, and it, it didn't feel he, like. Didn't he announce he had Parkinson's? Yes, he announced like that March. as well. So yeah. there was, it, it. It was one of those things that you were just happy that he was still on the show, and then to have it, you know, it, it end after making that joke. But I feel like they wouldn't want it any other way. That they're joking about it, and then it yeah. just it happens in you know in real life, 
and everything. And the coolest thing I saw today, because I like old pictures of OSU's campus because I've spent so much time walking around. So any picture from just about anywhere, I can get my bearings on where that's at and what that looks like. And so he posted this picture of him and he said, late 60s, just heard the first Jimi Hendrix album and he's clearly on the oval. And to me, that's just really cool that he still has that picture. He still wants to post it. And then, yeah, if you look at his Twitter feed, especially during football season, there's consistent Buckeye stuff throughout there. Yeah, always. I'll apologize in advance if this isn't the cleanest. We're all rolling. This is all on. We're not screwing this one up. This one is all on. Who's hearing this? Oh, we're on the air. Well, we're we're on the air. We're rolling. Yeah. Who am I talking with? Which two guys? Bo Bishop and Johnny Ginter, sir. uh, I've heard of you. You're very good. (laughs) Oh, you're lying, and I love how well you lie. What did you think of that lie, by the way? It was excellent. No, it's not you, a lie. I I, I I like your attitude. You have a nice voice. You're not arrogant, and you you know you know you're. And I'm ready to go. I'm not going to blab. I'm just. How long? Let you ask me anything you want about any subject. I know it's mainly focused on on the oval and and how many uh, yeast infections I got. <laughs> Stop that there. Yeah, that's probably safe at that. So there he goes. So I wasn't lying. That's it. That's it. that was it. How did is, did they put it up? I'll, I'll link it. They, Eleven Warriors put it up. I'll link it to our Twitter page at 971BFF. Yeah. Okay. It's so yeah. funny that you mentioned the emails and one of the headlines or the subject lines is arrogance. And yeah. he says that you're not arrogant. I'm so not arrogant. Now you we've got a got, great voice. We've got fighting <laughs> factions here on on the arrogance of the Mr. Bishop. <laughs> I'll side with Mr. Lewis on that. God bless him. <laughs> May he rest in peace. Um, he was on game day in 2022. Um, and Boy, he just was a huge Buckeye fan. This really was. This was uh, from College Game Day back in 2022. They are a hated population. There is no chance that the Michigan team is going to walk into the shoe and not be freaked out of their minds. They're going to want to give the game to Ohio State because we're that powerful. And look at the coach day. Look at his beard. Look at that beard. He's like Houdini. He looks like a mystic. When you pump up the team with that, whatever that dance is you do, you go, whatever that is, I don't know, it looks like you're having a nervous breakdown, and the whole team is going, whatever that is, coach, never stop doing that psychotic dance with the team before the game. I don't care if it's croquet, badminton, knitting, I just do not want to see a Michigan team win in anything. We're never satisfied any year unless we beat Michigan. And I want my Ohio State fans to scream, go crazy today. I know you're out there. Show them how we're going to scream. Go on. Man, what, let's win 2024 for Richard Lewis. Well, there. and also, how about the, uh, you know, kind of appropriate that the Buckeye women hammer Michigan yeah. last night. And on, on the day of his passing, they, they take care of Michigan and, and win the Big Ten outright. So uh, he was smiling down, certainly uh, looking down at all of that. God, that's great. That's great. Uh, good stuff. And I'm, I'm assuming that, so this is, cause that this happened with Bob Einstein as well on curb where, where, yeah. uh, where he passed. But I, I can't remember if they had already shot stuff with him and then he passed or, or if, or if he had passed and they hadn't any more, any more in the can. Cause obviously there's going to be probably a lot more Richard Lewis in the last season here. Yeah. And I would that, imagine that season that's episode four that aired. So there's still six more to go. I'm guessing there's going to be more. And they're not on like the old school sitcom where it's like every week we got to make a new episode. Like I would imagine uh-huh. much of the season, if not all of it, is basically already done by the oh, time Kerr sure. gets there because they're not on any sort of schedule. They just, I have a new season. Here you go. And this is the final one now, too. 
Yeah, I would assume that it was all completely uh, shot and done. So, um, yeah, he, he it was great. Um, he he was he was spectacular and and loved his Buckeyes till the to the very end. And that's right. Anytime, most times on Kerber, if he had a chance to wear a hat, it would be a Buckeye hat uh, that he would wear. Um, Buckeye women, hell of a job out of you. That's a great job. Uh, take care of your business. Clinch it outright at home. Hammer Michigan in the process. Head to Iowa on Sunday in a game that's as highly anticipated as any women's basketball game that's been played around here. And I don't know when. I mean, you got to go way back to find anything quite like what's going to happen on Sunday at Iowa. Yeah, it's it's a shame that it didn't end up like being for the Big Ten, which is what it looked yeah. like. But Iowa lost to Indiana last week, and the Buckeyes just have not lost in 2024. 15 straight wins since the calendar turned over for them, and they get the Big Ten. But then... I think it's 18 points right now. Caitlin Clark is away from the Pete Maravich record, so likely she will get that. So that'll be another uh, milestone there. And I think it'll just be because of how good the game was at Ohio State. The fact that they get another chance here in the last regular season game to play each other is, yeah, it's going to be something. And the ticket prices, Reeser mentioned them in a few updates yesterday, might be the highest ever in the history of a women's college basketball game. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just from an Ohio State standpoint, it's as good as it gets when you can thump Michigan like that, get revenge over their one conference loss, and cut down the nets. Yes, in the same yes. night. Yeah, yeah, kind of checks, kind of checks every box if if you can pull that off. One thing on the Maravich thing, I do think that because people just get outraged, like he played three years versus four. Yeah, so it just would be simpler to just say most points ever how do you qualify it? I don't know. Cause there's also the three point line distinction there. How do you figure that yeah. out and, and go with that? Well, but the same things happening in the, the three years versus four is just the, that's a monster difference. Like even if he doesn't have the three point line, if he has a, if he had four years, then that, you know, he, the, the number would have been so far out there that I'm trying to think it's so hard with comparing eras to do that. It's a hell of an accomplishment. It's an unbelievable accomplishment and it'll never be touched. No one's going near it. I mean, no one is going near where she's going to leave it. Especially if she comes back for a fifth year, then, then yeah. it's all then all well, bets are off there. That's is she going to is she is that in consideration? I she has not said officially one way or the other, but I I believe that she's going to leave. I don't see what the benefit yeah. really would be of coming back, but yeah, it's not something that it is fully stated that uh, she's going to the WNBA draft after this year. Hell of a hell of a win last night for Coach McGuff and the uh, the Lady Buckeyes. They awful, awful impressive. Uh, coming up next, one of the most incredible what ifs. I have never heard this story. It would have changed certainly the path of Ohio State men's basketball. We'll have that for you coming up next. Off and running, Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. Unlike your deadbeat uncle, we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six. This promo may have been a touch too specific. The f- Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The best hair on the air. You are listening to Bishop and Friends. And hey there, friends. It's your Uncle Bo here. If you're like me and millions of other men out there, finding yourself feeling sluggish, tired, a little bit off, energy maybe not what it used to be, maybe you're not sleeping great, I, I certainly wasn't. If any of those symptoms apply to you, 
it's possible, even likely, that you're suffering from low testosterone. Well, help is there, and it's on the way of my friends at the Tri-State Men's Health. For me, it was chasing the boys all over the state with youth sports. Started to notice just to have the energy I used to. I was looking for a real lasting solution. And if you are as well, this is what I want you to do. This is what I did. You go to tristatemenshealth.com, take the low T quiz on the website. If the symptoms apply to you, schedule a consult with Tristate Men's Health. They will do your lab work. They're going to have your results in about 30 minutes. I went through the process. It could not have been easier, uh, more concise. Really happy how well it all went. You're going to visit with a licensed medical provider, going to review your results with you, discuss your options, and then you're going to make a decision together with your medical team. The cost of the appointment is 99 bucks. That includes a consult, the T and PSA test. If you sign up like I did, your appointment is free. They have four offices right here in town, of course, in Cincinnati and Dayton and Louisville as well. Call them today at 1-800-900-9654 or visit tristatemenshealth.com. I've been doing it. I've been on the, uh, the low T for Three weeks, feel an incredible difference. It's it's working, man. It's really, really cool uh, what has happened. This would have been really, really cool as well. Um, I had I I'd never heard this story. I, I've i never heard this story. So this was this this is D'Angelo Russell, former Buckeye, of course, on his backyard podcast. On that podcast was Anthony Davis, where he tells D'Angelo Russell that he was committed to Ohio State, and. So we have two clips here. They're they're both a little bit long. Which which one do you think is the best one in terms of the telling of the story of that? Uh, we're we're dealing with the sound being covered up actually right now in the oh, okay, dad. Okay. So we're, we're working through okay, that. Okay, no right worries. Now. Yeah. All right, I'll I'll brief you on it. So Anthony Davis tells a story on the podcast, and hope we'll get some audio for you. But he tells a story in the podcast about how he was committed to Ohio State. He was committed to Thad. Uh, that Jeff Bowles was his recruiter, loved Bowles, loved Thad, loved the program, wanted to play in the Big Ten. And and then his dad was like, we ought to go to Kentucky and check out Coach Cal and, and see what that's all about. And Davis says the reason he ended up going to Kentucky is because Coach Cal said, you're not going to get anything here. You're going to have to work for anything you get. And, and, and that really stuck with Davis. Nothing was going to be handed to him. Now, remember, Anthony Davis's freshman season – he was the national player of the year, and Kentucky won the national championship. For the kids out there, Ohio State that year was at times ranked number one in the country. That's the team that went to the Final Four. That's Jared Sullinger's sophomore year. So that's Kraft, Sullinger, Thomas, and now all of a sudden, if <laughs> all of a sudden you're going to put Anthony Davis on yeah. that team, <laughs> and him and Jared Sullinger are going to play off one another? Like, holy hell, that could have... That would have been a game changer. I don't know how you don't win a national title because Kentucky wouldn't have. He was the national player of the year, and Kentucky won the national title. He was the MVP of the Final Four. So you take him off of Kentucky. Kansas is very good. We lost to Kansas in the Final Four that year down in New Orleans. Um, but the notion that Anthony Davis was silently committed to Ohio State, I, I never heard that. And it's the only, you know, you think, well, Kentucky's always good. Well, it's the only Cal super team that actually made it all the way to the championship and won yeah. the whole thing. He's never done that at Kentucky. Brought Memphis there, obviously, and lost to, to Kansas. Wow, basketball, it's all linked up there. But, yeah, you're right. Add him to that squad for the Buckeyes, and he probably still would have been a one-and-done. Maybe would have, yeah, could he have said, Sellinger just did it, I'll play two years. That would have been awesome, no, but probably still one-and-done. He would have been one, but if you put him with Jared, my God. Yes, that opens up everything for those teams. So I'll set this up a little bit. After 
he took a visit to Ohio State. He thought that that was it. If he was going to yeah. be a Buckeye, that again, to your comments earlier about him being such a fan of LeBron, like that was how right. this was going to go. And his dad then suggested, hey, let's just take a trip to Kentucky. Um, at that time, I think they'd had John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. They'd had yeah. some dudes that had gone to the NBA. And so he thought maybe he could be next up. He goes to Kentucky. Cal sits him down. He talks about not being interested in really what Cal's telling him during the meeting because in his mind, he's already going to Ohio State. But then he went to a practice. He saw how hard those guys competed. Then Cal told him that you're not going to just be handed anything. You're going to have to earn this. And he thought to himself, all right, this is where I can actually see how good I really am because he was one and done wherever he was going to go. Yeah. And so on the trip back to Chicago, the next day from his visit to Kentucky, he has this. I go to sleep. The next day I woke up and we in the car headed back to Chicago. We drove like five and five hour drive. And I'm like, pops, call Cal. I got I got to go to Kentucky. That's fine. Like, mm-hmm. You felt so that. So I, I just felt it. Yeah. And he right. was like, um, he like, all right. That's fine, but now you have to call Ohio State, and mm. you got to be a man to tell oh, them that you're being commissioned. So I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> so now I'm like, I got called that, that, monitor. I'm like, yo, what's going on? He's like, oh, what's up? He's excited to talk to me. Yeah. Like, this is my recruit. Like, we got the number one player in the country. Brand Not knowing I'm about to tell him, like, I'm cool off Ohio State now, and... Uh, he's like, man, what do we do wrong? What do we got to do? Da, da, da. <laughs> I'm like, honestly, this ain't got nothing to do with y'all, man. This is just like, <laughs> I just feel I have to be yeah. at Kentucky. Goodness and um, end up. I mean, I walked in, they had my jersey. You know, this is Ohio State. Had my jersey, 23, Davis, all that. He had his uh, Juicy Fruit Gum. Right. Yeah, all like, yep. yeah, all that. So it was like, man. Like, so you went on a visit? I went on a visit. So my high school. Official? Uh, unofficial. Okay. Like, it wasn't even. It wasn't even a, a visit. You were just at there all. and pulled up. I was just there, yep. like with my high school on the academic. Yep. You know, and they just pulled me to the side like, "Now nah, you going with us?" So I think I think at that time, uh, my junior, it was my. There it is. Could have been a Buckeye. That's an incredible sliding doors. Yeah, I mean, if you add a national championship, if it goes that way, which feels like it's very likely that it could have been, you add him to a team that was already in the Final Four, what does that do to the rest of the Thad Mata era? Well, it's, it's, and even beyond that, it would, have been, it would have been a recruiting coup the likes of Odin. It would have been beating Cal, something that they didn't have to do for Odin. It would have been beating Cal for that guy, for the best player in the country. Would have been the best player in the country who wasn't in Ohio, and Jared was on that list, obviously. Uh, but he was right here in town. Like this would have been getting a kid from Chicago, and it would have been bringing him here, and it changes a lot. <laughs> it, it's hard to imagine them not winning a national title. I mean, they got to the Final Four without him. Now you put the National Player Year on the on that team. Hard, hard to imagine that they wouldn't have hung a banner, and and it changes Cal too at Kentucky because does he have a title? A then, title. Yeah. Yeah, he probably doesn't. Uh, he did play for it again in four. He played for it in fourteen, and in fifteen they had the undefeated team that lost to Wisconsin in the yeah. Final Four. Um, so he had a lot of at bats there in that run. Um, but that's an incredible sliding doors. Um, one of the th- it does it does appear. I saw this. Uh, I've seen this a lot recently of a lot of momentum for Sean Miller, um, and and even to the point of, of some people like it's hard on social to know what's not a report, but conjecture, hard to say, but there's a lot of Sean Miller momentum potentially to be the next guy here. Sean never got to a final four at Arizona, uh, but he had a lot of one seeds and had a ton of talent, knows the state well. Um, and one of the things that 
uh, Ross Bjork talked about was having somebody in the seat um, and that part of it. And this was the quote to Adam in the dispatch. He said, the key of all of this is because we have this time, we can really do a lot of research, and then we can have a little bit of patience going into the first week of March. We should have an idea where we are by Selection Sunday. Are we zeroed in on finalists? Are we zeroed in on a bigger group? Are they still playing? A lot of things will filter out over the next couple of weeks. So from a timeline standpoint, that's where you're at on that. There was some talk of Jay Wright. I never bought that for a second. Like, there's, he won national championships at Villanova. That's his school. Like, he was, if he wanted to coach, he could, he'd coach there is, is the way that would go. But, uh, and he told incredible. the dispatch as much too. He, he said, yeah, it's a great job. It has an outstanding athletic department, great tradition and fertile recruiting ground. It would be a great job, but I'm definitely done coaching. End quote. That's from Jay Wright. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. All right. Coming up next, something that doesn't college football playoff. Board. I don't know who who's doing this. Who what, what, is this? A panel? Is this a board? It's a committee. I know they're at a JW Marriott. I know it's white tablecloth. Other than that, we don't know much. But we do know what they're trying to do. To me, makes very very little sense. We'll try to make sense of it coming up next. Bishop and friends are here on the fan. An ex jock and a very puffy, smooth faced man. These are the first voices you should hear. Morning juice. Your wake up service. Weekday mornings from six to nine. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Us. What's up? What's up, man? What's up, with you? All right, here's what's up on a Thursday edition. They just keep leaking this stuff out, don't they? What's the word they used? Socializing. The Socializing. idea of a 14-team playoff. All right, so this is where they're going. This is a week now straight of this. Um, so this ESPN had this, um, and then we also had Dellinger had it. Dellinger had it as well. Um, so they're going to convene next week via video conferencing to further discuss things. But uh, the sources are some. Uh, there's optimism. I mean, some of this language is crazy. Quote: The balance of the room is how to re recognize contributions of the Big Ten and SEC while also being fair and collaborative to the collective room. So this is, you guys remember when, and I had, we had, when he had Paul on last week, and we'll talk to him about this again in an hour. Um, and I said, I guess it's kind of like they're threading the needle of this is, how much can we get away with and not get sued? <laughs> like we, we want to have, we don't want to deal with court and antitrust and any of that, but gosh, we're a lot better. And so we need a heavy share. So we even talked about this last week. Like if it was 14, if it was 16, what's the number that would satisfy that of those two conferences that they could say, okay, that's a pretty good shot. And, and that's a fair representation of, of those two power conferences. Um, so to answer that question, what they floated yesterday is the, the format of, Three automatic qualifiers. Excuse me. Three automatic qualifiers for the SEC and three for the Big Ten. So a total of six of the 14 go to the SEC and Big Ten. Two for the Big 12 and ACC. That's one, two each, by the way. Two yeah. each. So that's a, that, that you get to your 10. One for the group of five and then three at large spots. Now, those three at large spots, of course, could be SEC and Big Ten teams as well. Um, the source is telling ESPN that discussions have centered around the SEC and Big Ten earning somewhere between 25% and 30% of the college football playoff revenue. The ACC and Big 12 would be next. They need somewhere between 15 and 20%. Leaves a smaller chunk, somewhere around 6 and 10 for the other leagues, and nearly 1% for Notre Dame. So Notre Dame getting squeezed here. 
uh, pretty good. Now they're, they get the 1% to themselves, but if, if they get into this thing, um, I'm actually surprised that they're being this generous. Quite honestly, I'm surprised that they're allowing for, I'm, I'm surprised that the automatic qualifier is at four. Like the I SEC in the Big Ten, quite honestly. It is weird. Like, how did the reporting of last week, they're, them going for four, and then coupled with the idea of, oh, maybe we could put the Big Ten and the SEC title game somehow a part of the playoff, which would make a lot of sense with four. Doesn't really make sense at all no. with three automatic qualifiers from each conference. So I whatever happened in those meetings, they were they were willing to give up a little bit of something there. And that's probably for the best. I don't think they need four automatic qualifiers i don't think they need three i don't understand why because they'll, they they'll sh- be there anyway yeah because they should be <laughs> under the assumption that their teams are going to get the at-large bid so i don't think you really need to put it in writing that for sure you are getting this stuff i thought it was hilarious that this was actually written in the espn article and like the, stop trying to give things name the big 10 flex plus for the scheduling remember that's what yeah. this reminded me of the Three slash three, two slash two, one and three model. Oh yeah, that's not a mouthful. We'll just throw that out. That's just like five plus seven. That, that's super that's simple. The same. I don't. I don't get it. I. I would like the idea more of two for all of them: the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve. One for the group of five, and then you have five at larges, and you just get rid of the conference championship game because the problem with they'll, they'll never do that though. The problem with AQs while the conference championship game is still in is what do you do with the loser? Where are they in the standings? Is it the standings at the end of the year, and then they just play for the championship? What if they were one at the end of the year and then lose it, and now they are, do they drop down to two, or did that is that record put them past the team that they lost a tiebreaker with, and that the who finished third is now second. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Having yeah, an extra game that not everybody plays doesn't work to going to conference standings for three automatic qualifiers. I don't know why you're not more up in arms about the 1% revenue for Notre Dame. Like, who's giving them that? Huh? That's less, a, yeah. less That's for you. It. It's I actually, think- it's still, it kind of would even out to, I guess they wouldn't make quite as much, but it's not 2% even for the Big Ten and the SEC in that point. So they'd be making as much as like roughly those schools still. Here's the thing, though. Uh, Yeah, theirs would be a situation where only if they're in do they get it. You know, they're not going to get a chunk of the ACC portion. Like it would only be. They wouldn't just get it by existing because I'm sure sure that's what they would want. I'm sure they'd want it just existing. I think to your. It sounds like they're getting it whether or not they're in it. That would be nuts. Because it I don't says, know, why would you acquiesce to Notre Dame? That leaves a smaller chunk somewhere around 6% to 10% for the other leagues. So I think everybody who's available for the college football playoff gets some sort of payout, and then you get additional That's payouts for teams ever. making it. Why you would share any dollar with Notre Dame when they're being a pain in the neck and have been for years. Um, as for the... This is this is the thing that, that what the needle they're trying to thread is just the stupidest damn needle. Which is why when we were at the combine yesterday and we were talking about like really where they need to get to is an NFL model where the Big Ten and the SEC each have thirty two teams, split them up however they want, and you run a true playoff like an NFL playoff. Now that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. That part makes sense. You have four division winners from each conference. They play out a playoff. If you have seven teams in the playoff, eight teams in the playoff from there, and then you build towards a Super Bowl, if you will, or a national championship, as it were, but then those conference championship games are true national semifinals. Because you're exactly right. 
This makes no damn sense to play for a Big Ten championship or an SEC championship. It makes none. If, if you're still going to have three out of them, and then what do you, to your point, what do you do with the losers? But the problem is they're never giving it up because those are television gold mines, especially the SEC one. Um, and even the Big Ten one is going to rate well. I mean, you got to remember, we're not going to have a, a Big Ten West team in that anymore. It's going to be the second best record. So. For example, next year, Ohio State could go out to Oregon, God forbid, lose by a field goal, and run it right back with the Ducks for the Big Ten Championship game. So that'll rate, I promise you. The idea that they're still shoehorning those in because there's money, God, the greed of this, guys, is just overwhelming greed Well, and every dollar we can get. And it's like, this makes no sense. It makes no sense. I don't understand why they're at 14. I don't know why they didn't just go to 16 so that everything's equal. The only thing that you could do is, and I wonder if they'll get here, do you make it to where, if it's 14, do you make it to where the two buys are the SEC and Big Ten champion so that there is a value in playing in the conference championship of those two conferences? Like just automatic, just make it automatic. Give automatic. that one, and then, you get, then you're the one, and you're the two, and you get the two buys. So those are the, that would I guess kind of explain the three automatic qualifiers that all the Power Four get two automatic qualifiers, yes. and the SEC and Big Ten champion get a buy. That I guess they would make a little bit more sense. But that would make some sense. Maybe we stumbled into where they were thinking, where the winners of those two conferences get the first and second seed, and they get the buys. But another thing for me that immediately becomes an issue is the mixing of automatic qualifiers now, which we did not have in the four team playoff era. And the rankings. So what do you do with all the... Like, what does the top 14 mean if it says, well, actually, there's still two SEC teams at 15 and 16, and they have to make it. And so all these teams... So making the top 14 isn't even going to be like a guaranteed spot in the 14 team playoff because they're keep, they keep separating it out and giving these automatic qualifiers. It's not normalized enough and you can't mix the two. You can't do rankings and automatic qualifiers. It's two for that many teams with maybe one, I with think the, the, like trying to put the group of five in in the 12 team model. Okay. But when you're talking about that many teams, it's just going to create too much infighting about what the rankings mean versus your standings in X conference. I'm just curious where it landed. Like, because I, I don't think the the problem is not. Go, go ahead, Reese. Well, I was going to say, did you not go and talk to them yesterday in Indianapolis? The, were they there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they were. Well, that's right. What they the were. heck, man? What am I doing? Um, all right. So last year, so I don't think it's going to be. It's not going to be a problem at all in the ACC or uh, I'm sorry, the SEC or the Big Ten. Like the the three automatics, for example, last year. This is the final poll. The three automatics in the Big Ten would have been Michigan, Washington, and Oregon would have been the three automatics. Ohio State would have been an at large. They were ten. And this is again from the final poll. In the in the SEC, it would be Texas, Georgia, and Bama would have been the three automatics. In the ACC, the automatic would have been Florida State at six, um, Louisville at fifteen, and Louisville. Well, Louisville end up 19 in the final. I'm talking like post, I guess post they end up 19. I'm going with the last the, CFP rankings leading so into. I guess, I mean, that's where I think they're going to get trouble. And then in the Big 12, it would have been what? Arizona? Arizona Arizona's in the Big 12. 14? And then Oklahoma State? Yeah. Or Arizona. is it K-State? Like, then you're getting way down there. So, like, giving the automatic qualifiers to the Big 10 and the SEC, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Giving them to the ACC and the Big 12 is. And it's actually going in that in a weird way. If they had just stuck with more at larges, the Big Ten, and the SEC, I think, could possibly be better off because your fourth might get bumped out by that random. Your fourth or fifth team might get bumped out by the random Oklahoma State at twentieth or whatever that has to jump in because they're second in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and mo and though every every single time you do two teams from the ACC and the Big Twelve, one will be coming off a loss. 
Yeah. I and, think they which got, could even drop their ranking even further. I think they've got to do the the SEC and Big Ten champions or the automatic one and two to 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 make that worthwhile. That's the way you do it. That way, there's value in that, right? That way, there's television interest in it as well. You can't you can't have the, that not do that because otherwise, it, there's very little benefit in playing in it. You'd much rather have the bye week. That at least rewards the team that wins those two conferences with a bye. That there's value in that. I think. Um, speaking of value, Oregon added a great deal of value by joining the Big Ten. We'll get you the details on that coming up next. Fisherman Friends right here on The Fan. We're the girthiest radio station in the history of radio. Uncomfortably girthy. This promo is uncomfortable. The Fan, Ohio's girth destiny. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh knows many people. He talks to the interesting ones on this show. This is Bishop and Friends. And hey there, friends. With Tipico's new rewards, you're going to get up to 5% cash back on every qualifying bet. It's 5% every qualifying bet. Enjoy the highest cashback in the industry, the most rewarding sports book you're going to find. Claim the new sign-up bonus now. Get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now. Enter the promo code THEFAN100 to get your bonus. You download the Tipico Sportsbook app to bet, earn, and win today. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that. Uh, I saw this this story this morning um, from... Um, I think it was Wilner who had it. Um, 5,000 new season ticket applications at the University of Oregon uh, this year. I did wonder how many of those are just Buckeye fans. That it's just cheaper to like buy pay the- for this. Just buy the whole season. <laughs> I don't know if Oregon goes that way. I guess we could have the MIT kids look into it. Like how much is a se- our season tickets at Oregon? How much are their game day tickets for like their schedule next year at home? It's, it's not exactly great outside of the Buckeye game. It's by the way, I don't even know how you sell this honestly outside of the Buckeye game. It's Idaho, Boise state, Michigan state, Bucks, Illinois, Maryland. That's and even it. Oregon State is at Oregon State, so they don't even get like that right. one that they, they get none out. of their. I, this was such an abject failure of the Big Ten to not have Oregon playing. I guess they must be playing Washington, and they must be playing Washington and Seattle. And are they playing USC and UCLA? They should have played all four of them every year. I don't. It's like, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I was just looking at it because I put together play, the, the home games. Yeah, so yeah, like to not play. They should play those former Pac-12. Rivals always. US, at, Oregon should play USC. They should play Washington. Play UCLA. Of course, at Oregon State, like I said, at UCLA, and oh, sorry, the Washington games at home. I, I missed one oh, there, so okay, that's okay. okay. Add that one in there. I I got to November and it didn't scroll down one more step. It's okay, their last so they, game, right, so they're so they setting that up Washington. for a rivalry. Okay, okay that so, is yeah. Yeah. So what I do have is from John Canzano. There have been fifty one hundred paid deposits for potential new season ticket holders. 50 yeah. bucks for a deposit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm guessing that some of those 5,000 are Buckeye fans 
who just think it's easier to... But if that's like a waiting list thing, do they try to figure that out and say, no, Maybe. we're not selling Where's season tickets to, to the Buckeyes? I was about to say, like, that application process, they have people in the athletic department coming over it. They go, is that area code 432? What the hell? You know, that might make sense Six because... One f- no. <laughs> when I searched Oregon schedule, Google did ask me for my location. I wonder if they do that for other schedules. Like, is that something that's already... Already, like, there? working out? Here's the Here's the thing on this, and this goes back to what made Oklahoma antsy, right? It was, who's coming to my house? How am I selling tickets? Um, and so just the notion of Ohio State coming to Oregon. Now, this is also a make good. Remember, they were supposed to play in 2020 in the COVID season, and then that game was was canceled due to COVID. And so it was not. It didn't get played. Um, they obviously came here and, and beat Ohio State. Weren't there fires, the, the too? It wasn't there. Uh yeah, I don't know that that had anything to do with it though, because it, I I know it was COVID was yeah that was why that thing was canceled, but it, it could have been. I can't remember. There's a lot going on in the world at that time. Um, it's a it is like a I, I was talking to somebody at the combine about it, um, about the Ohio State Oregon game. Um, it's actually Chris Rose of uh, formerly of Best Dam and who who does a bunch of stuff at the NFL Network and MLB and stuff, and he was talking about wanting to maybe because he lives out on the West Coast and maybe wanting that that would be a fun game to go to, and I said I think it's like feels like it's kind of like game of the year stuff. I mean, it's probably going to be number two against number four, number two against three, depending on what happens. Uh, obviously, like Georgia, I think Georgia plays Texas, and I know Alabama plays Oklahoma. Like those will be big ones too, but that's pretty dang good to get the Buckeyes and Ducks. I mean, that's two and three, two and four, provided they both get through their – I mean, Buckeyes aren't going to be trouble getting through their non-conference. I wouldn't think Oregon would either. No, um, they, they should both be. I mean, it's Idaho, Boise State, Oregon State, UCLA, and Michigan State for them. <laughs> Before the Buckeyes. Yeah. So it's that one's got a chance to be game of the year. And for Buckeye fan traveling out, I think it'll be I think it'll be the game. Like if you go to a road game, that's the one you're gonna go to. Right? You're gonna fly to Portland. Yeah, because if you're a golfer, you're gonna go play Bandon. The the home season is based all around the Michigan game. You've got the at Penn State game, but a lot of Buckeye fans have already made that trip. You're talking about in early October, Saturday, October twelfth, go up to Autzen out in Eugene. I think that's that's going to be something that people will be interested in because there's only one other road game even before that, too, and that's at Michigan State, which that's not going to beat out trying to no. go to Oregon. No, and it's – so you fly into Portland, you go to go to Eugene, you go to the game. It's a smaller stadium. It's in the 50,000s, so it's, it's – you know, the tickets will be premium by the time you get them, which is another reason probably why you see this. I'm guessing there's even some Oregon people that are like, hey, if we, get, we can probably make it all back if we just sell the Buckeye game and the Washington game. Those and two the, games alone, and just go to all the other ones. If yeah, you do just get go to the others tickets. if you want to. You're going to be you're going to be on the positive end of this. An update um, on the idea of, like I said, looked up the Oregon one, and it happened too when I looked it up at my desk earlier this morning. Look up USC 2024 schedule. Google didn't care to take on my location. I don't know if that's linked or or not. If it's just because I said no the previous time, I don't know. But they, that's pretty it's suspicious good. enough for me. That would be pretty good if if Oregon is is geofencing anybody who Googles Oregon, Oregon schedule. Tickets. Yeah, because <laughs> we we gotten a lot of lot of news that Buckeyes are trying to buy up those tickets. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I, I I've been very critical of the Big Ten and what they failed to do in the schedule by not having one of the new teams at at Ohio State. The idea that Ohio State isn't playing USC year one is just an abject failure. Um, and none of them are coming here, right? We don't we don't have any of them here. We have Oregon out there. Everything else is. Yeah, we don't play the, UCLA, we the, don't play USC, we don't play Washington. No, so it's, it's just all, just Oregon. Oregon. That's it. What a fail. 
Well, and remember when we were first looking at that schedule, there's like no Big Ten Conference games until the third week of the season. Yeah, and it's like you needed a Washington USC or a Michigan Washington or something. You know, you could have, they didn't know that at the time, so they couldn't have set up like a rematch of the national championship. But like something, why would you expand your league to 18 teams and have nine out of 12 conference games and say, ah, but we're, we're still going to, we're going to wait. We're still going to hold off on that because everybody's got to play Akron and Toledo before they can take on these teams. Wet your beak with uh, Oregon hosting Idaho before you, you send the Buckeyes out there. Yeah, silly. Also, in the way, that with a 12 team playoff like you'd if you're ohio state oregon play right away play week one because the then, whole year to recoup you're yeah. going to see him again at the end of the year probably like yeah it's silly. i don't get yeah i don't get the scheduling idea from the big 10 going Go ahead, ashley tweets in I, I think this is helpful information to share so thank you ashley at 971 bfs went to oregon usc and feel the need to share with our fans there's no transportation whatsoever get a walkable airbnb Okay, so if you are one of those uh, lucky few Ohio State fans that can get in on the season ticket package, or if you have tickets through the university, get a walkable Airbnb from Autzen Stadium, or get that uh, purple Porsche 911 that uh, Phil Knight was driving in the that air was movie. Gorgeous. That thing was gorgeous. It really was. Uh, second hour up next, we've got your emails. Um, also, I mean, it's February 29th for crying out loud. We'll we'll have a little fun with that. Fine bomb coming up at 10:33. Bishop and friends right here on the fan. One, two, three. Here in the van, it's always football o'clock. Proud to be your home of the Buckeyes, Browns, and all the NFL games you can handle. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. First Friday miracles are always better with Uncle Bo. This is Bishop and Friends. So this is Leap Day. This is the day. This is Leap Day every four years because it actually takes 365 and a quarter days to go all the way around the sun. So every four years... We get back up to date with it. I think it was uh, Pacers star Tyrese Halliburton is just six. <laughs> yes, and uh, Ja Rule. Oh, really? Ja Rule born is also on the 29th? a birthday on the 29th. Yeah. If you were born, on the, if you're born on the 29th, is the right thing to go March one or February 28th? I think you keep it in the month. I think you go February 28th. It's interesting. I think March feels better because I it's do spring. March one. Yeah. Yeah, you get you're closer to spring. Short maybe? month in February, you can't celebrate. You can do a March, a March birthday month if you're into that <laughs> birthday month. Yeah, that's tough. What do you do if like you know like a, a lot of fast food places have rewards on your birthday? What do you do? Do you just lie and put you March first or, or whatever? Yeah, I, I wonder what do you do? Like even in the yeah, like in the hospital, like do you just have, what a pain in the neck that would be. Yeah, it's, it cannot be an easy thing to deal with. Yeah, you celebrate it. You're going to celebrate it the 28th or the 1st always. And then, like, I suppose once every four years, it's a big deal. When I think, you do, yeah, like, I think when it actually hits on it. It's like a huge celebration, like the World Cup. Maybe you don't say anything about it and just see how many people forget about your birthday and everything. But every four years, just a giant blowout Enormous, party. Just a banger. Just really go. So, you guys are so 30 Rock had some fun with this. Is this what, what this is? I've not, so, full disclosure. I have never seen an episode of 30 Rock. I've seen clips 
a billion, but in terms of like watching an episode, I've never watched an episode. And I've, I've heard it's great, but I, I did not watch it. Yeah, Tina Fey created and produced shows are just packed with jokes. It's like a joke every 10 seconds if you're paying attention in these. But in this, in their universe, Leap Day is a very, very popular holiday, including having a mascot. And we'll let Kenneth take it from there. Leap Day William, Leap Day William, first from the sea. Will he bring his bucket of sweets for mom and pop and me? My Leap Day William is visiting. Did you not grow up with Leap Day William? He lives in the Mariana Trench. He emerges every four years to trade children's tears for candy. You are missing out. Every four years, you get a magical extra day. A day to do the things you ordinarily wouldn't do to take chances. And so the joke is that Liz Lemon, Tina Fey's character, has no idea what this is, and they're all super excited for it. And then in-universe, there's a Leap Day William movie starring Jim Carrey that's like sort of a play on like the Santa Claus. He slowly turns into Leap Day William, which includes him growing gills and eventually jumping back into the sea. <laughs> into the Mariana Trench? Yes. That's the bit? That's pretty good. I like that. Um, all right. It is, a, it is a Thursday at this time. We do the emails. Hit it, fellas. Our comment box is always open. Any feedback is mostly appreciated. The mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. Every day it piles up more and more and more. And you've got to get it up. And the more you get out, the more it keeps coming in. Again, again, again. Bishop and Friends present emails. Uh, another good batch of them this week. This one from Dan. The subject is court storming. He writes... I was a deputy sheriff, worked hundreds of hours at both football and basketball games. We would assign certain deputies to cover and evacuate referees and visiting teams as we roped off the for basketball the edge of the court. Once the refs and visitors were safely tucked away, the fans were allowed on the court. This sounds complicated, but the evacuation is literally less than a minute. Arresting those storming the court is impossible. You might get 1%. And what charges? DOC persists trespassing. Violation of college or high school rules are not necessarily violation of law. So this goes to... How in the hell did this become such hot button this Because it happened to a Duke player. The, wow. It's the craziest thing ever. It, like, it's a weird concept because court storming is something that happens to the powerful and best teams. It doesn't yeah. happen to Nebraska. Correct. It, it doesn't yeah. happen to you know the other random team. You know, it happens to the Kansases, the Kentuckys, the Dukes of the world. And so then their coaches and their athletic departments, who are powerful in the college basketball world, get mad about it, and they all start talking about it. Bill Self had things to say about it because he sure. dealt with a, a court storming earlier this year as well. And I think that's why it got to the forefront is because it's something that happens to the top teams and not something that happens to just random teams throughout the sport. Yeah, it became like the topic of the day, and everyone was weighing in on it. Like, I mean, it was, I don't know, it's just one of those things that's been going on forever. The injuries suffered by the Duke player weren't that bad. It wasn't he had a great game a deal, last night. He was great last night, so it's not like there was any sustained injury to it. Um, and, and it became a very big deal. I, when we talked about this briefly on Monday, uh, and this all stemmed from the Duke player at Wake Forest. Wake Forest beats Duke over the weekend. They storm the court. Wake um, was favored in the game, too. Correct, yeah. Um, and you're right. It doesn't happen. It doesn't ever happen to the Blue Bloods because like, they don't do it. They're not, they're not storming. So it's the it's the little guys who constantly do it. So I'm, I'm sure that part of it is annoying. Basically, every t- my guess is every time Duke, Carolina, almost every time Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, almost every time they lose, Kansas, I'm guessing there's a court storm. I would imagine, yeah, just about every time they lose on the road, there has to be, I would think there'd be a court storm. Yeah, so it became a big deal, and we said, look, there's two ways you can do this. You can either do exactly what the deputy just said, which is just simply clear the visitors and the referees. Like, that's, it's not that many people. 
there's probably 20 people total by the time you figure coaches, managers, and players on a college basketball bench. Those 20 people, the three referees, here's a rope, get behind it, get out of here, and then they could... I, that's not hard. There's no reason that... So this what happened at Wake was a failure of institution to clear Duke and to keep those people off until Duke was cleared. That's that's the issue. It's not the court storming. You don't want to take it away. Yeah, it just needs to be clear that, hey, get the, the opposing team and coaches and staff off the court and then everybody can go. As the email said, that takes a minute and 90 seconds at most. And then, because it still works for everybody, because the fun is running on to a place that you're not supposed to be and then celebrating with your fellow students and then the you know the athletes that represent yeah. your school. And then you get a picture in the giant crowd on the court or on the field. That's what everybody wants. So if it has to wait another minute, I think it would still have the you know similar amount of excitement, but take down a lot of that risk for the opponent. I think there was a lot on Wake Forest and deservedly so like you just gotta be ready for this kind of thing like I think the barstool guys were there to storm the court you got a top ranked team expect it and shell out a little for you know some more cops and have that evacuation plan like it, it does feel like it's just too simple but yeah and I, the Caitlin Clark I think it happening twice in the same season like Caitlin Clark you know back at Ohio State and then Filipkowski uh, with Duke over the weekend I think that does bring it into the national spotlight but it's just so few and far between to say, like, oh, blanket solution, ban it. Good uh, point on Kate. Like, that's a failure here to not get her off. Like, she should have got off. Yeah, just get, again, got her off. get them off. I will also say from an organizational standpoint, both the home team and the away team, you kind of have an idea of, like, oh, this could be a court storming. Like, when number two Purdue comes into town, you have an idea. That, that plan should be laid out, and both Ohio State yeah. as the host team should know it, and it should be given to at least somebody on the Purdue staff, and hopefully they would relay it. And so, hey, if we lose, this is the plan, and we're getting right off the court. Yeah, yeah, no no handshake. That's fine. Just get gone, get gone. You do a handshake another time. Uh, this one from Bryce, the subject is NFL Combine. The NFL Combine is now the training montage for Rocky and Rocky Three. The first time he fought Clubber Lane, it was uh, theater. Uh, it was in a theater hall. It was circus. Combine is just a dog and pony show for the NFL to sell. Here's what the, the NFL has: what they have done since they've had the NFL Network is tried to make the NFL Combine must see TV. So they stretched what was a three day event into a week because it's a week of content for them that lasts. Starts on a on a Monday afternoon and goes all the way through. I, I had mentioned I was uh, I was talking to Chris Rose who who hosts the NFL coverage on NFL uh, NFL Network. Much of it, he's like, we're on sun up sun down six days in a row. So yeah, like is it tedious watching guys do drills? But like Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah call the drills like they're calling a game, like they're from the booth. Um, so yeah, it's it's done for TV to stretch it out. I think. If you could, if I could do one thing at the combine that hasn't been done, there's no way you'd ever get access to it. But a true behind the scenes of what happens post ten o'clock to three o'clock in the morning. A hard knocks at those of the combine. Hard knocks at the combine. What happens behind the scenes at, at those those restaurants and those hotels? That's you, the that's the sweet spot. You also said something yesterday that kind of piqued my interest, and I thought about it that way. That you were talking about, yeah, it, it makes sense now that a lot of the top line guys are at least at the very least selective, which with which with which drills they will do and some of them sit it out you know the drills completely like marvin harrison and some of the quarterbacks that we've seen but it's the middle tier guys that do have a chance to move up and i wonder if 
the proliferation of advanced stats has helped people contextualize what a three-cone drill can mean for this player. Okay, he is undersized, but look at this athleticism and look at players in a similar profile and what they do effectively. The fact that you can, I think, link all the different type of stats with people, I think, really helps the evaluation. Before, it was just, well, that's really fast. Yeah, What do you do Now there's context. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit of context to it. I also wonder if you're going to start to see a top athlete or top prospects just skip the whole thing altogether. I saw Marv yesterday walking in. He looked great, him and his dad. Um, and he's so he's kind of one of one. The, the consensus over there was that he was a one of one guy that he could do it, but nobody else would. I think I think Daniel Jeremiah said that. Like, look, like he can do it. The circumstances of who his dad is, who he is, what he's put on tape. He did his pro day last year at Ohio State. Everybody knows what he is. He doesn't need to do it. Does it bother some people he didn't run, I suppose? But it's not like he hasn't been clocked running. Like, everybody knows kind of what he is. So, like, I think that what you will get is the guys at the top saying, I'm going to do it on my terms, and that not being looked down upon the way that it was in certain years. Um, This one from Bill, subject line, Tesla car. Uh, Hey, Bill, I overheard you say you had to stop in Dayton for a recharging station at the Tesla Supercharger. Do you like your Tesla? I do. I like it a great deal. The autopilot is great. That's a little finicky now since the updates. So now all of a sudden it's it's a lot more finicky than it used to be. But I yeah no I like it. It's great. How did it handle the potholes immediately entering Indiana? It's nimble. You guys can't believe it. When's the last time you guys drove to Indy? Well, I drove to Iowa over the summer, so we went through there. So you know that as soon as you go underneath that arch, yes. The second you go underneath that arch, the road sucks immediately. And then as soon as you get to Illinois, it's fine. And there's there's the big wind what turbines. Is Illinois is kind of pretty and flat to, to drive through. Indiana Awful. flat too, but it just is terrible. It's, it's just, the just, second. It's 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 brrr, it and may as well be cobblestone. It might as well be. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, like the last forty miles into Indy or thirty miles into Indy is all construction zone. Always um, too. And they yeah, and they have the signs up that say fifty five, but there's no construction going on. There are no workers. There's no trucks. There's no barrels. It just says construction. And it says fifty five. So what do you do? Do I listen to that or do I? And then there were cops pulling people over left and right. Not me, but... <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably would, like, stick at, like, 65 in that scenario. Not go just, up to... You know, usually I'm in, like, between 70 and 80 because a lot of roads are 70 now. But I'd probably get up to 65 and say, okay, we're good there. What I did was I just kept it between 60 and 65 in the 55, and I just made sure that I was not the fastest car. And by God, I was not by a damn stretch. It's the there people going 80. It's the opposite like of care. like when a bear is chasing you. Yeah. You don't have there was to. A, you don't have to be the slowest. You just can't be the fastest. That's right. yeah. There was a there was a guy in a like a midsize pickup truck pulling a trailer. Uh, probably a midsize. I would say the truck was probably in the mid, um, probably a mid nineties model who was going one hundred and seventy six. And I'm like, how did this guy not get pulled over? How they, there were three of them in the front seat. I don't know how they didn't get pulled over. It looked like they were on like, in the cannonball run. This one from Scott. Uh, airports flew into Boston recently. Was told the best to grab a car or a cab to get to the next terminal. Is it that bad at Logan? I haven't I, been to Logan in a long time. I'm flying into Boston, and uh, what would that be? Well, we're taking off in seven hours. Oh, you're going through Boston? Yeah, it's Columbus, well, Boston, Dublin. That's appropriate. Then we've got a decent layover there. They like enough time to grab dinner. So we, that that was. That makes sense because Jen said that to me. She said, we got to get to our terminal and then we can do whatever we want, wasting the time. This one from Patrick, the subject line, arrogance. I can't believe you consistently have a problem with Tito. Act like a professional on air. I'm tired of hearing your problems on air with him. Where's the bosses on this issue? Get over yourself. 
If you were to stop and listen to him, you might learn something. He's really quite knowledgeable. Do people not... Patrick, do you not realize that that's a bit? That he's my Newman? It's shtick. I love Tito. It's shtick. Very rarely are people on radio going to flame somebody consistently Consistently. out of like actual hate. It's a bit that goes back to when AR and I were doing the show. Ten years ago. He's Newman to me. I love him, though. Pull the curtain back a little bit for people. Uh, When it was Bishop and Laurinaitis, I actually wasn't that incompetent. I was just part of the show, guys. Just so you know. Just so you know. No, it's always been a funny bit to just for me to act like I don't like talking to him. That's it. I love Tito. Uh, come on. Come on. Be, you, you, get it sorted out, Patrick. Get it sorted out. Uh, Bill Connolly with his 10 most interesting quarterbacks of 2024. Uh, who's on the list at number one is a surprise to me. We'll get to that. Paul Feinbaum, 1033. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We used to have a billboard with our host face on it, but only ugly people work here now. You mama say you ugly. Hey! The Fan, Ohio's sports test. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. After putting up with Tom Tiberi for a decade, the broadcast gods gave Bo these two. This is Bishop and Friends. Indeed it is. And Bo here for my friends Tipico. The new rewards you're going to get 5% cash back on every qualifying bet. It's the highest cash back in the industry. The most rewarding sports book is, of course, Tipico. Claim the new sign-up bonus now. Get a $100 bonus bet when you bet $25. Sign up now. Enter the promo code THEFAN100. Get your bonus. Download the Tipico Sportsbook app to bet, earn, and win today. Must be 21 or older, physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, our old buddy Bill Connolly, who lasts every time we have him on, we thank him for the content because it's uh, it's always something worth talking about. He put together his list yesterday. We talked about his list. He had the, what he was a top 80 quarterbacks. Yeah. Top 80 quarterbacks of the, of the 2000s. 2000s, which is odd that he arbitrary that he went 80 as opposed to 75 or 50 or 100. Like he just randomly chose 80 as the number um, as a sweet spot on that. We'll have to ask him how he decided on 80 uh, the next time we have him on. So today he's back at it. 10 most interesting quarterbacks for 2024. Um, number one on that list, Drew Aller. Now, when when they signed Drew Aller out of uh, Medina up in Northeast Ohio, kid ends up being by the time the recruiting process is done, he's a five star. You see flashes of him as a freshman when he would come in and spot duty from time to time in replace of Sean Clifford, and then last year was his first full year as the starter, and he was, I mean, at times it's borderline incompetent, and James Franklin kind of crushed him in the in the. A lot of the media availabilities as the season went along, they had a switch at offensive coordinator, I think in part because of how poorly it went. They just could not throw the ball down the field, um, which in turn made it very difficult for them to be able to run the ball. Um, I understand he's not saying he's the best quarterback. He's saying he's the most interesting, and I, that's the distinction I think that's most important. Um, but did you see enough in Drew Aller to lead you to believe that that could get flipped? Because I'm not sure I did. 
He looked kind of messed up to me. No, and there's a track record of quarterbacks not developing at Penn State really since James Franklin got there. That They come in and there's been a few guys who are like, ooh, that looks like a pretty good player. And maybe even comes in highly touted recruit. And then his freshman year ends up being his best season. And that started all the way back with, uh, uh, what was the the one kid who was everybody's prototypical quarterback. Oh, God, what was his Hackenberg? name? Hackenberg? Yes, Hackenberg. He goes all the way back to that. And I don't know, is Drew Aller on a similar trajectory or is switching over the offensive coordinator going to save him? It's weird because Bill Connolly also in August leading into the season last year wrote like a most important players list. And so yeah. he mixes in talking about that with interesting. And I'm like, so which is it, important or interesting? But it's his list, so I, you know it's not like he's wrong or anything. But it does sure. does feel like Bill Connolly is one of those true like I love college football, all of it. Because when you go through the list, it's like I'm sorry, I'm not interested at what happens in the UNLV quarterback situation, which is number nine <laughs> no. on his list. Well, he's got the Virginia Tech kid at two. Like Virginia Tech's been off the grid for a long, long time um, in terms of that. He, he's got some stats on on Aller of passes over twenty yards downfield. He was six of twenty eight. Uh, that's kind of like what the Buckeyes were in the middle of the field. Um, oh, by the way, speaking of that, and I I don't mean to turn. I'm not going to turn this into a uh, bash the previous quarterback situation, but I, I was talking to somebody over at the combine, no names, please. Who this was all off the record, and so I'll just frame it in a way that that I think gets the point across. But they were it was in regard to Marvin Harrison, and and we were talking a little bit about his his tape from his sophomore year versus the tape to his junior year, and and he said, and we were talking about it and 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 stuff, and he said. The drop off at quarterback play at Ohio State is was from from CJ to Kyle was so much bigger than anybody realized. That it, that 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 and we knew it kind of in the moment, but you wondered like ah, it, you know hard to say why aren't they doing this and and kind of the way that this particular scout felt that NFL evaluator was was from the standpoint of like it was uh, really well below average quarterback play at Ohio State yeah. last year. Well, and then to show the two seasons, too, to see what Stroud was doing in the NFL versus what McCord. But I will caution with some of that, because it is weird, I think, sometimes when NFL people dive into college football. If you look across the board, numbers were down this year. There does seem to be whatever that high safety thing, yeah. we're going to take away the deep ball that happened in the NFL, that has trickled down into college football. And quarterback numbers in both NFL and college football were just down this year, period. But I, yes, I agree. CJ Stroud is a lot better than Kyle McCord. Yeah, it was maybe even bigger than than we realized in the moment. You know, so um, other guys on this list. He's got the kid from Virginia, Chiron Drones. I don't know who that is. Jalen Daniels at Kansas. Uh, that makes some sense. And mm-hmm. their their head coach just got a big bump. Leopold just got a big bump from a salary standpoint. Avery Johnson is fourth. So this is. Kansas State. So this is Will Howard's replacement uh, at Kansas State. And then the $8 million man, allegedly. Your boy, Reese, number five. Oh, pretty good against Iowa in that one bowl game. Um, Just real quick on Kansas and Jalen Daniels. So their offensive coordinator last season is now Penn State's offensive coordinator because they fired Yersich back in November. So in terms of interest, I'm interested to see if this whole experience i mean i'm interested to see for drew aller i'm interested to see how that works because you get julian fleming and a new offensive coordinator okay what's this look like and then yeah. similarly for kansas and jalen daniels now all right you've extended lee pulled light pulled lee pulled uh, but you've lost your offensive coordinator how does that work like this is like i understand because obviously everybody's going to be interested in what happens at georgia alabama and ohio state but you can only do so much on that for right now yeah this this work to my 
point yesterday about Bill Conley, that damn Bill Conley making us talk about stuff. This is to that point. He's very good at it. And Jalen Jalen Daniels is a really good player, so it's also interesting to see can he actually stay on the field? He's been dealing with injuries, especially yeah. last year. Was out a ton of games. When he is on the field, he's really good. And you mentioned the Leopold. It wasn't an extension; it was just a straight up raise. Like they didn't add years to it; they just went from five million to seven yeah. million. But they also increased the assistant coach pool, and then now that has an escalator each year of two hundred thousand. And that's kind of a direct response to losing your offensive coordinator to just another offensive coordinator position. Yeah, K.J. Jefferson on this list. I forgot that the former Arkansas quarterback is now at UCF. Uh, Miller Moss is the uh, is the reason that the uh, the five-star kid from USC ended up transferring uh, is because of, of what he did in the bowl game. So he's on Malachi this list Malachi Nelson, well. that's it. Yeah, Malachi Nelson. And then my, my SMU, my, my ponies, Preston Stone is the starting quarterback at SMU. Preston. God, that's great. You know what? Uh, that's so great. One name I would have included on name. this list, and it's because I think we... We took personal notice of it, even though the Buckeyes scored 70 in that game. We may have missed it back in December because there's so much going on, and then the transfer portal takes off for the Buckeyes yeah. in January. Uh, Daquan Finn, Daquan Finn from Toledo. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a Baylor. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's that took something a year that I'm later. interested in. Yeah, That took a year longer than I thought. I thought that, we remember, we thought after he played here a couple of years ago, like, okay, like get that kid to a great place. So he'll, I bet he plays very well there. I think at the end of the season... Uh, the end of the two. So when he played at Ohio State, the end of that season, he was dealing with a knee injury. Okay. And then so I think last season he was a little healthier and still a dynamic quarterback. That yeah, I would have thought after you saw him at Ohio State, you know his yeah. his parent or whoever would have gotten the Bruce Thornton mom treatment of like forty different coaches being like, hey, you up? Yeah. <laughs> we're interested i wonder Uh, if he took the idea of like i'm going to do one shot at the power five and maybe that will increase instead of like i wonder if there is almost like an idea that if you go and have one it's easier to have one stellar year than to pair together two good years and get drafted yeah i don't know it's a good question i'm not not exactly sure but i'm glad to see he's in the power five and i bet he does quite well uh paul feinbaum going to join us coming up next bishop and friends right here on the fan the Ohio State Coaches Daily Show is brought to you locally on the fan by Credit Union of Ohio. This is the Ohio State Basketball Daily Show with Coach Jake Diebler, brought to you by Encoba Insurance. When we think about Felix Akpar, and we've seen so many instances of him showing his potential, is the encouraging thing, Jake, that there's still more upside with Felix? Absolutely. But I thought he was he was huge. Uh, in the Michigan State game, and his activity around the basket, both offensively and defensively, was was impactful. Protected the rim for us and altered altered shots, maybe nece- not necessarily blocked, but altered. And then he finished around the rim at a high level. So it's exciting when you start to think about his potential. Um, obviously for his future, but I think for the rest of this season, how impactful he could be if he can continue to, to play with that same aggressiveness that he did against Michigan State. Okay, we'll have another comment in just a moment. Hi, I'm Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. The right coverage can be a game changer both on and off the field. That's why Encova Insurance and their local independent agents are prepared for what's next and protect what matters most to you. Whether that's your home, car, business, or family, Encova's got your back with a policy that fits you perfectly. With local independent agents in your neighborhood and innovative insurance products that can be tailored to fit your unique needs, Encova's playbook is an easy win for your peace of mind. You can trust their team of agents to develop a strategy that's just right for you. And it's not just X's and O's. Your expert agent will guide you and provide insurance solutions so you can confidently manage your risk and count on a financially secure future. 
auto, home, and business insurance you want Encova on your team. Visit Encova.com today to find an agent near you. Encova is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks! At Ohio State, all that we accomplish means even more when achieved together. We're creating the new field of imageomics to track biodiversity. Space farming to feed the world. We're developing cardio-oncology therapies to reduce heart damage. AI trust verification to protect AI technologies from hackers. And engineering more fuel-efficient cars. At Ohio State, we're creating these solutions the world needs now. This is the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Jake, your team tonight has Nebraska here at home. Uh, anything from the first game at Nebraska that you can take from and and use as far as ammunition? Yeah, we have to we have to have a better you know uh, better answer for big fella and his threes that he hit and just his versatility offensively. Um, we got to guard that better. Guarding the three three point line against them is important. But I think people think about their offense because you got Tominaga and then the different weapons they have, but their defense has been really good this year and that's something we're gonna have to answer the bell for. Okay, this is the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun, casual joint with their award-winning waitstaff, great food, fun, and laughter. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind or grab a carryout. Roosters is where you, your family, and friends can order pizza, sandwiches, salads, and more. And the home of award-winning wings that are fresh, never frozen. It's your family's other dinner table. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Pull up a stool and ask the bartender for something neat. Because Uncle Bo is on the radio. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's head down to the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Conversation with a great friend of the program, Paul Feinbaum, the Paul Feinbaum Show. Uh, Paul, last week they uh, they used the word "we're socializing" a fourteen team playoff, which I had never heard socializing used in that context before. Um, it, they, it, there's more and more news on it now. I guess in simplest terms, what do you think the SEC and the Big Ten want out of a fourteen team playoff, and will they get it? Yeah, I don't think socializing is the word. I think monetizing might be the better <laughs> word. Uh, what 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 they want is are. are I'll use the word the Pac-12 and, and all the other uh, former leagues used to use. Uh, you know, they want access. They want access to the number two, three, four, and maybe the five team. Uh, I, I think what they're basically saying is if we, if we go along with this, we are going to be the show. Now, I'm not sure how they get there, uh, but if, if what I read was correct, 
uh, what Tony Petiti is doing is basically leveraging. You ask for more than you expect to get. Um, what I don't understand is why the other leagues, the Big 12 and the ACC, are deserving of more than one. Um, but I guess to get four or five for the ACC and the, and the Big, excuse me, the SEC and the Big Ten, they, they've got to throw some scraps to the dogs. I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, we were doing an exercise of last year's rankings and saying, look, three automatic qualifiers for the SEC and Big Ten, that's not going to be a problem at all. You're going to have, last year we had Michigan, Washington, Oregon, Ohio State. I mean, it an easy SEC. You're going to have Texas. You're going to have Georgia, Bama. Like, that's going to be easy to do that. The problem is those other schools by giving them the two. So it, is that just to avoid litigation? Are they just worried about antitrust? What, what are they worried about there? I suppose that is it. Um, that's why they do all these things that they really don't make any sense. I, I mean, I'm not hung up on it because yeah. it's one thing if you uh, if you let uh, Cincinnati in a couple of years ago that w- when they probably didn't belong in. What, what we're really doing now is you're letting uh, you know ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Uh, I don't think that's going to affect very much. They'll essentially be sacrificial lambs playing uh, road games at the beginning. But it, it does. It's, it's unfortunately, Bo, college football. Yeah, uh, it, it's what we what we deal with. We see it in other sports as well, but football has such a class system where there just aren't very many that should be competing. And now we're we're letting a bunch of uh, ne'er do wells into the party. Do you think, Paul, that the because I know one thing that is very important, even more so in the SEC, although the Big Ten is hoping that they can kind of create that with with now that they've gotten rid of the Big Ten East and West, to where a, a, the conference championship game in the SEC is a big deal. I mean, it's it's a really big deal. And they want to make sure that it stays that way. Would would could you see a situation where the the conference champion in the SEC and the Big Ten are the automatic first and second seeds and get that by so that there's something to play for in that thing, and in, and in turn would be playing for a bye week. Yeah, I, I think that's about the only way it, it could be done, frankly, uh, because yeah. otherwise, uh, I mean, these are, I've had it explained to me from by the SEC commissioner how important that game is, but part of the problem in the past for the, for at least the SEC, this wasn't a Big Ten issue, is that the game was on CBS and now everything is on ESPN, ABC. So it's not quite as critical. Uh, I think these conference championship games are, are in deep trouble. Uh, they, they just aren't going to mean it, hardly anything. And, yeah, I mean, you, you could conjure up some conversation about you're playing for a bye, but quite frankly, uh, when you consider what was at stake last year in the SEC game, I mean, that, was, that turned out to be a ticket into the playoffs, and, mm-hmm. and Georgia didn't get in, even though you know people are still arguing they were the best team in the country. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Paul, I wanted to ask you about the injunction last week at, at Tennessee. Was it the judging and the ruling and the injunction in the Tennessee case? Uh, I was talking to some people uh, over at the NFL scouting combine this week who kind of border on both sides of the NFL and college. And one of the things they're hearing from personnel guys, I'm sure hearing it well, is like, no one that we, we talk about how crazy it is. It's, it's about to get worse in terms of what could, or better, I guess, for us, right? We talk about it. So I guess there's going to be a lot to talk about. Right now, there's no, corral around nil or transfers you can do anything you want at this point what do you think comes with this second portal opening how how aggressive will a school like alabama be to reload their roster massively aggressive um because i mean there wasn't a a big concern early on uh, but you still have to be careful you can't just blatantly Offer uh, you want you want to at least now, now it's just going to be blatant offers. What do you want? Yeah. Uh, you know, write a number down. Uh, you know, especially for schools like Alabama because you know they really uh, they, they took a beating 
uh, in the previous portal, not 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 the portal that that most people were talking about, the one that opened after Saban left, that mm-hmm. uh, that's written in the, into the bylaws. So yeah, I mean it, uh, that that ruling, according to a number of the legal experts that we've talked to, believe it, it could be one of the most important rulings ever because uh, there's no recourse. And, and you saw the NCAA statement was back to their old tricks, depending on Congress. They didn't say anything about appealing because they really don't have anything to appeal. No, they don't. And and I guess so. When you talk to people down there, Paul, is there is there a sense of boy, we like you say it's one of the most important rulings. What is the course of action now? And I'm not talking about the NCAA because they're feckless. I'm talking about Sankey, Petiti, the powerful people in the sport. What they have to do something, I would assume, because there's no way to patrol this. They do, but unfortunately, their their game was go to Congress and and what. What people said in, in Washington was they needed an Armageddon. So Congress would say, you know what, that's really bad. We need to get in there. And that's not going to happen now. because And even though, not to sound like a legal scholar, but that ruling was applicable only to East Tennessee, it's now the law of the land, so to speak. So right. uh, because, because they're not appealing it. And I think what you hear from the commissioners now is their, their, their big role is to try to uh, – settle some of these lawsuits, but quite frankly, I don't, I, I, the biggest one down the road, I think it's called the house case. Uh, that's the one that most people think is going to break the NCAA anyway, which uh, I'm happy with that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm excited about Mount March madness and we all, you know, we all like the college world series and the, and the women's tournament, but the bottom line is the NCAA really should be put out of business. No, they should. Absolutely. And then the question is, are, are the, the commissioners and the university presidents willing to go there on that, on that side of things? I was talking to, a, I'm curious if you've had any of these conversations, but I, I mean, Ohio State was obviously very aggressive in the portal and, and benefited from the Saban retirement about as much as anybody did and, and landed some of the best players. And, you know, there's, there's whispers up here of like, my God, are we going to have to do that again just to retain this roster into next fall? Are, are you hear, hearing stuff like that down there? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that is where we are right now. And I don't see anything changing, Bo. Uh, it's, I mean, the commissioners, uh, all, all, you have to remember something about these commissioners, with the exception of you know, Petiti and Yormark, who was with the Big 12, one's from entertainment, the other one's from television. Uh, the rest of them uh, I would describe as institutionalists. Jim Phillips from the ACC, thank you. They're, they're, they've been part of the system. And when you're part of the college system for a long time that's how you think you you think in terms of trying to coalesce and collegiality uh that's not the way the world works anymore so i i I think this is going to keep happening and at some point uh it's going to blow up i I think i think the the conference to keep your eye on is really the acc it's the most fragile of the big conferences they still have a number of attractive schools uh that the big 10 and the sec would be interested in and somewhere down the road, sometime in the next year, probably next year, uh, they're, they're, going, they're going to reach a, a reckoning, especially with this FSU situation. And if it goes against the ACC, then you better watch out because they have five or six schools that could go to either the Big Ten or the SEC. Yeah, and from what I'm sure you're hearing the same things I am, the, the teams are kind of co- – the ones that are coveted are covered by both, speaking of North Carolina and, and, and kind of that type of thing. So that, that that's going to be fascinating. Always is. It's a fun fun way to make a living talking about all this nonsense, even if you go cross-eyed from time to time. Paul, thank you for your time. Greatly appreciate you. Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right, that's Paul Feinbaum, the Paul Feinbaum Show. Notice, he's, notice the ACC part of that, right? So if that – anytime we talk about this, if that's going to crumble – it will have to be ESPN 
help almost like helping enable the crumble. And that's so another that, reason why you need different leadership than the NCAA because the television people yeah. are going to take over now because yeah. there is no power from the NCAA. No. And so that when we talked about, you know, getting to 30 or four divisions and all of that, that's what that's about. That's that's how that would come about. And it would take ESPN being a part of it. Uh, certainly. We hit thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and friends are right here on the fan. Your home for the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, and crew. And our sincere apologies for common men singing Creed songs. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you say something with enough confidence, it must be true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. I type a little thing or not a thing on a Thursday. Hit it, fellas. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. First one up today on a Thursday from SNY TV reporter Connor Hughes. So covers people up there in New York. Yes, I'm told there was a validated belief from the Jets that wide receiver Nicole Hardman, frustrated by his lack of usage, leaked game plans to the opposition as implied by several players. Sauce Gardner, Kenny Yaboya today. Not just the Eagles game, but also the Chiefs. Ironically, the Eagles' victory was arguably the best of the season for the Jets, while Zach Wilson enjoyed the best game of his career against the Chiefs. Thing or not a thing? Hardman also accused of tampering by saying that he contacted the Chiefs uh, before he was traded back there, too. Yeah. You know, the thing thing that makes this tricky is, like, they, they beat the Eagles... And Wilson was great against the Chiefs. So, like, if he did it, it wasn't very effective. I think that... So that's what kind of makes it a little tricky. To I mean, it's obviously... Look, an NFL player linking a game plan to another team would be something punishable by suspension, all of that. Like, I mean, you can't... It's outrageous to do something like that. Uh, but at the same time, like, it doesn't feel like it helped them. Or rather... Or hurt them, rather. I wonder if, because a lot of these guys are dummies, and if he's leaking that, <laughs> is he sending it via email? And do the Jets then know, okay, well, they have this game plan. Let's not do that. I mean, honestly, that's even more believable. Because they, I will tell you this, they know everything right. on a phone. Everything. Well, so, if he did it from the like oh, the iPad that from they the uploaded it onto, where is he going to send it from, from? If they did it from the iPad that they uploaded it onto, if they if he did it in the now the only way you could actually do it and be effective would be off site. Like they can't off site; they're not going to be paying attention mm-hmm. to it off your personal stuff. But like the other ways, they would be. I think it's. I also am just getting a vibe, and it makes sense. It's the Jets, but like, man, excuse, 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 excuse. Stop it. Be better. You're the New York Jets. Yeah. Well, they just, I mean, them, the Bears, they just love getting in their own way. Yeah. Caitlin Clark scored 33 last night in Iowa's 108-60 blowout over Minnesota. She entered the game needing 32 to match Lynette Woodward for the all-time major college women's basketball scoring crown and got nearly halfway there in four minutes. 
Before passing Woodward's scoring mark, Clark grabbed another official NCAA record, scoring her 155th three-pointer of the season to break the single-season mark previously held by Idaho's Taylor Pierce in 2019. Clark's only 18 points away from Pete Maravich's all-time NCAA scoring record among both men and women. He's held that thing since 1970. Of course, the sixth-ranked Hawkeyes host number two Ohio State Sunday at one in a game you can hear right here on the fan. Thing or not a thing? Lots of things to this. I think the most significant one is we have a Caitlin Clark mention that didn't come from Chops. <laughs> so I think that's the most important thing. Do you guys, does, I know that this is a trick. I ask it, I know the answer. You have no clue who Lynette Woodard is, do you? It means nothing to you other than just from this Caitlin Clark set. Yeah, I know it now, but it was not something I knew previously. I think I just she, called her Lynette Woodward, too. So it's fine. I clearly she, know. She she played for the Globetrotters. Yeah, I read that today. Yeah. So, like, she was the first female to play for the Harlem Globetrotters as a kid when they came through Great Falls, Montana. I remember seeing her play. Like, it was a big deal that, that she was a female member of the, of the Harlem Globetrotters. So um, that's the part of that. It's all. It's obviously an, all an enormous big deal. It's also obvious. I mean, the fact that Maravich has stood since 1970, the fact that he did it in three years, it's crazy, absolute crazy, that, that he scored 3,667 points in three years. I mean, you can do the math. It's He's averaged 40-some a game for three straight years. I... I think that she needs to get to this record too. Like, and she will. It's only 18 points yeah, on Sunday. That, like, That's, I mean, a normal third you know, quarter, less than a normal day for her. It's like a normal half for her almost. Um, but I think it's been a little distracting for Iowa overall. We talked about the weird fourth quarter at Nebraska. Did she want to break the record on an opponent floor? Did she want to break it at home? Then set up perfectly the next game, which was a home game, where she just came right out of the gates, scored like five points immediately, and then needed that extra three and hit that three from super deep range in the left. Yeah. Then last night, to get one point over, to hit one more three in the fourth quarter of a game that was decided, honestly, in the first quarter. They were up 20 before so the end. Of the think, first quarter. You think she's like manufacturing drama? I don't think she's, she's manu- way too cognizant of it. I think it's in her head that she knows what's going on. She knows how many points she needs. Keep keep an eye on Sunday's game. I I am guaranteeing that she hits her 18th point off a of three. She knows. She, she knows, and she's sure. paying attention to this stuff. And I think it's somewhat distracting. Now they're still that winning is, most of their games. If that's, if that's in her head, then that would be. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think yeah. if she gets past that one, hopefully she can stop thinking about that stuff. But the problem is. I think the blueprint has also been laid out for Iowa when you get to the tournament and you're playing other teams that are capable of beating them. If you can lock down Caitlin Clark in the second half or really even the fourth quarter, you can make a lot of headway even if you're down and find a way to beat the Hawkeyes. And I think that's what's going to happen to them in the tournament. Yeah. This is from ESPN. When the NFL opens play next season, Dallas Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones, who is a member of the competition committee, expects a change in the kickoff rule. Jones said he anticipates the committee to present to ownership in the spring meetings a one-year alternative that will make returns part of the game again. During the week, different options were presented, including the XFL model, in which the kicking team lined up at the opponent's 35 and the return team lined up at the 30, with only the kicker and return allowed to move until the ball is touched. Of the 2006 698 kickoffs in 2023 only 587 were returned with 1970 touchbacks and 92 fair catches also because it's steven jones this from si 
Uh, Stephen Jones, who is on the NFL competition committee, recently shared that the rule change for fumbling out of the end zone has died for so Michael stupid. Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News. Thing or not a thing? Well, that's a stupid thing that it's died. It's the dumbest rule in, in football is the fumbling out of the end zone change of possession rule. That's just the dumbest thing ever. Um, the kickoff thing. So every kickoff in the Super Bowl was a touchback or was fair caught. So there wasn't one kickoff in the Super Bowl returned. Um, and they do need to get that back into the game. It's a very exciting part of the game. There was not last year, guys. There was not a single kick return touchdown in the NFL. Really, that's wild. I mean that that's a really cool part of the game. And so I hope that it is brought back in some way. Let's try the XFL model. Let's figure it out. But I think the play needs to be back in the sport. Yeah, it felt like for a, a, a bit of time there, they were looking to just eliminate it altogether. Like yeah. they were just taking small steps to eliminate it, so they could get. I mean, maybe a little bit longer of a commercial break, and you just wouldn't have. You wouldn't have that part of the game anymore, but I guess this feels like now they're rethinking that. Well, it's also yeah. kind of funny because it, it, it coincided at the same time that they added the different touchback rules and they tried to make it less kickoffs for, for safety, but they also changed the extra point at that time because they were worried that, oh, well, it's a nothing play. They make it almost every single time from the shorter distance. Let's move the extra point back so there's a little bit of drama to that play. But then they just replaced it with an absolutely no drama-filled kickoff scenario. Correct. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes uh, tweeted this yesterday, quote, as the combine starts this week, all I ask is that NFL Network doesn't use my 40 overlay anymore. Three laughing, crying face emojis. Mahomes ran a 4840 back in 2017. In 2021, at 40 years old, Mike Vick ran a 47. Thing or not a thing? <laughs> I think the uh, that's probably the, it's funny, like, how often do you see Patrick Mahomes get caught when he's scrambling before he gets down or gets out of bounds? Almost never. Yeah. Almost never. Like football speed and running a straight line fast, the, the two things don't don't necessarily mean anything. Um, so I think it's funny out of him when I when you first read this and I was going through it, I'd missed the part where at forty years old I was thinking to myself, wait, Mike Vick ran four seven, like Mike Vick would have ran four two. Yes, he's fastest quarterback in the history of the game. Like absolutely crazy. Um, good for Mahomes for having a sense of humor. Yeah, about Vick it. was I think four obviously three he gets three. The last laugh. Four three three, yeah, that seems more like it. So, do they use Mahomes because he's the biggest star in the league, or did they just figure that he's a big star and he's right about average? Yes. So it's nice to just have him an average. Like this is what the average NFL quarterback looks like, but it just happens to be Mahomes. So you'd think he could get that request done, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it's funny. Good, good job out of him for having a sense of humor about it. Uh, final hour on a Thursday. Up next, a little higher or lower, a little Shelly time. Uh, the very latest from the NFL scouting combine as well. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. The Fan is live and local with morning juice. Caffeinate and dominate. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The Fan, Ohio's sports destiny. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With friends like these, who needs former college football players? This is Bishop and Friends. All right, final hour here on a Thursday. Uh, a couple of things here, a bit of, of housekeeping, as it were. Uh, this one from Sean. Don't forget when talking about Pete Maravich, there was no three-point line and no shot clock. Uh, true. I feel like we've, we've mentioned that. but and, and also, and obviously, just a three-year eligibility 
Would would Pete Maravich have been the worst teammate ever? Like you're not shooting. Yeah, because no three just, point line, no shot clock. He's a ball three handler. Years of eligibility. He's the primary. Ball, he's the only ball handler. He had to have shot thirty times a game. I mean, to average forty four, you would have had. You know, he averaged like I think he averaged like 44, 43, 45 The three years he was at LSU, he would have had to. We didn't have like the statistical stuff then to monitor like shooting percentage or shot attempts. I don't know if we did or not, um, but like just imagine because you're gonna you got to make. You figure he probably makes. Eight to ten free throws a game to get to 40, 40 some points a game because there's going to have to be games where he scores sixty a lot to average forty four. You're going to have to be in the sixties and fifties a lot. There's going to be somewhere in the twenties and thirties. You you probably got to get up. Is it like thirty five shots, thirty some shots a game? Wonder like what, how many up and downs are there? How many possessions are you getting for everybody else? I wonder what Caitlin Clark averages for attempts per game. So she attempts 22.6 shots per game, 13.6 of them three-pointers. But one of the impressive things uh, about her, and I, a lot of people probably do know this, but she's also first in assists in the country. She's a great passer if you if you watch yeah. the games in full length. Uh, so that's a, an interesting factor. But, yeah, I mean, she's only at 22 to get to 32. So if you had to get 10 more points, probably just, at least seven more shots a game. So yeah, you're talking about getting up into thirty shots a game to get he to would forty. Have had to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was he was uh, you know pistol Pete. Let's see. All right, do we get so his field all goal percentage? Yeah. They're all twos. His field goal percentage. He was. I mean, he rebounded it. His stat line. His first is his, his sophomore year because he couldn't play as a freshman. Forty three point eight points per game. Seven and a half rebounds. Four assists. Shot eighty one percent from field. Forty two percent. Forty two percent from the field. Eighty one percent from the free throw line. Um, his his junior year, he goes six and a half rebounds. Four point nine assists. Forty four point two. Shooting forty four percent. And then his his senior year, five point three on the rebound. Six point two on the assists. And forty four point five a game. It's the biggest green light in the history of the world. Remind, have you ever seen Derrick Henry's high school stats and how they escalated? Yeah, yeah we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I gave you guys those. Remember that? Yeah, because yeah, he was crazy. a Florida kid. Yeah, that's crazy. I, the amount of shoots shirts would be, the amount of shots rather would just be, it's astronomical on on that side of things. Um, one other thing, and we'll get to this at, at greater length uh, coming up in the combine. This is right now peak silly silly season in the NFL. So I know we're going to do it a little bit of higher lower with the pre-free agency power rankings, and we'll do some combine stuff. This is the time where you have guys who zag for the for the clicks of it all and for the content of it all. So Dan Orlovsky who's really good. Like he's pretty adamant this morning on ESPN that he likes Jaden Daniels more than Caleb Williams. Now, when you talk to the the people at the top, and remember this happened with Trevor Lawrence. Do you guys remember that? There were people who were like, oh, yeah, Zach Wilson's better than Trevor Lawrence. We think Zach Wilson could be number one on some people's boards. Like, this happens every time this time of year uh, as the combine is going on. I can assure you that, and we'll get into some of the other issues with Caleb in a second. On field, there is no, uh, in terms of the scouts, there is no qualms with Caleb Williams. Like, overwhelming. Like, there was a guy, again, no names, who, who, who trot Mahomes like that type of like that's how he thinks he's the most complete prospect that's come through in a very long time well, uh, with Caleb Williams. So like and it's okay like you have an opinion I get it but like what you're also getting now and this is what you have to be careful of is just like opinion for the sake of content. 
And that's kind of what happens this time of year. Yeah, just like, oh, I have to come up with an opinion that's different because Caleb Williams should be right. number one would just be extra noise that everybody's already saying. But I think there is a – with the four-team playoff, it got a little bit to this point for people who don't love college football and take it in all the time. That as soon as you picked up two losses, they kind of stopped watching you, and then it was assumed, ah, oh, USC wasn't good this year. Caleb Williams must have had a down year. And it was down compared to his Heisman campaign. But if you watched any, any single USC game, it is immediately – apparent that any loss is not on Caleb Williams. They did not have a defense, and he can only lead the offense down the field so many times. So, no, I don't know. I, I like what are the knocks on Williams? Like, so, I understand what what Jane Daniels can offer you, but what are the knocks on Caleb Williams? Then, from that standpoint, not I mean, j- just that Daniels was better. Like, even Arlovsky was like, it's not that Caleb is. It's just that Jane Daniels was better, and he gave a bunch of reasons for it. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have Jordan Anderson to throw to. And he had one of the worst defenses in the history of the sport yeah. that was supporting him. So, anyway, that's where you stand on that. More on the combine in a second. Time for a little higher, lower hitter, Reese. Bishop and Friends present Higher or Lower. So, we'll call this the uh, for, uh, pre-agency. Okay. <laughs> higher or lower for the NFL. I mean, because once a team gets Zach Wilson, you heard the news, saw the news yeah. yesterday. They're saying they're opening to... Yeah. Allowing Zach Wilson to explore a trade. Sure. Whatever team he lands on will vault up these rankings. But for right now, at least now until March 13th, is it? We'll have to go with WalterFootball.com. Again, these are the pre-agency rankings. At number one, the San Francisco 49ers. Can't go any higher or lower than one, but higher or lower for San Fran. They have to be behind Kansas City. Uh, they have to. We just saw it. They played. Uh, Kansas City, so they have the Sneed stuff where they're gonna they're gonna uh, they franchise tag him, and then the next thing will be Chris Jones. But you saw him at the parade, and it, the feeling that you got over in Indy was that they would find a way to get a long term deal done with Chris Jones one way or another. They get an, there's an extra thirty million in cap space that went to the league this year. So Kansas City's one, and. That's it. So they just need to flop those two. San Francisco's fine at two. Their roster's obviously very, very good. Maybe the fine people at WalterFootball.com really, really like MVS. And they said, oh, man, they got rid of, of him in the receiver room. Yeah. What, what, what are the Chiefs going to do? But, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yes, if you put it on paper, the San Francisco 49ers have such a stellar roster, and they were really good last year. Obviously, Super Bowl runners-up. That's awesome. But we saw the game in the Super Bowl. The different factor is... They don't have Patrick Mahomes. And you know who does have Patrick Mahomes? Kansas City. And right now, they're coming off back-to-back Super Bowl wins. How could they not be your number one? What? That's, again, silly season of like, oh, I'm just going to be different and put them in front of it. Because it does make, it piques your interest a little bit more than KC won San Francisco 2, which is really the correct order. And Walter.com's where we find our pre-agency NFL rankings. At number three, the Baltimore Ravens. At number four, the Detroit Lions. At number five, the Cincinnati Bengals. Higher or lower for the Bengals there? The so Bengals need a good free agency to be five. Yeah, they got big questions. I mean, they they got to figure out, is Higgins back? Boyd's an impending free agent as well. Uh, this is an interesting list because the team they have at six has got huge issues with the cap in, in the Chargers, uh, San Angeles Chargers. I do find that funny. I think what this speaks to, though, uh, is just... How uncertain! I, I love this list because what it speaks to is just how certain this league is at the moment. 
Um, there are a ton of unknowns here. Um, Cincinnati, if they can figure all these things out, and Duke Tobin was pretty confident that they would be able to, absolutely would fall in line as as the fifteen. But I think they, I got to know what's happening with Tiggins. I got to know what's happening with Boyd. I think what'll be interesting is is like what would the give back be for Higgins? Like you're not gonna if somebody trade like would somebody trade a first rounder for T Higgins right now? Like the Bears aren't trading the ninth pick for T Higgins, would they? Because they're just going to take Roma Dunzier or, yeah. or the the neighbor's kid out of LSU. Like, they don't need to. Why would you be having to pay somebody else? You're already paying DJ Moore. Like, I think what they do with Higgins, I would probably have them lower until I know who Joe's throwing to. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, the, it's just so hard with the Bengals and Joe Burrow and what's his offseason going to look like and what's his health throughout the season going to be. But when he is healthy, yes, they are a very good team. But I just think they have, they have enough questions there. I like Detroit at number four. We had one last week that had Detroit at like three or something. And I think Baltimore should be ahead of Detroit. I don't, I'm not saying that they're going to completely fall off, but I don't like the idea of, ooh, surprise, kind of hot team. And they had built to it over the last couple of years. But, uh, oh, look at how good this Detroit team, all the way to the NFC title. They are much more likely for me to dip down a little bit than to keep building off of last season, in my opinion. At number six, the San Angeles Chargers. Yeah, good job there out of the folks at WalterFootball.com. At seven, the Philadelphia Eagles. At eight, the L.A. Rams. Nine, the Green Bay Packers. Ten, the Buffalo Bills. Higher or lower for Buffalo at ten. They've got a lot of work to do. They had a window where, you know, this this Von Miller, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, Bills conglomerate, uh, Poyer in the back end of the defense. Like, they, they had this run, and it does feel like it came that run came to an end. So now the question for uh, for the Bills and their management will be, how can they do what Kansas City did? Kansas City was in cap hell. They have to trade Tyreek Hill, and they've won two Super Bowls since. Like, they traded the most dangerous offensive weapon in the sport and won two Super Bowls. So how does Buffalo do... 80% of that and stay atop the AFC East. Um, they have as many questions as anybody in the league outside of maybe the Chargers in terms of how they're going to keep their roster together and what it's going to look like. But they are, because of Allen and because they built it right a couple of, you know, once already, you have confidence in them. But they, they have a lot of questions. Yeah, and also, this is what we always run into a higher lower. Well, what exactly are we ranking? Because, yeah, they do have a Mahomes playoff problem. It's pretty clear that the Bills yeah. are kind of stuck on that right now. But, no, I would have them just a little bit higher. I would have them above the Packers and the Rams. The Packers are another team that it's like, okay, we were all very impressed with Jordan Love as the season went down the stretch. But I'm sure. still not 100% sold that, like, that's the guy you're going to get every week for him. And then the Rams, it's all predicated on a 36-year-old Matt Stafford who – can have a noodle arm at any given moment if he gets tennis elbow again. I would definitely put the Bills ahead of those two. At number 11, the Houston Texans. At number 12, the Cleveland Browns. Higher or lower for the Browns at 12? I think this is kind of a sweet spot for them because their question mark their question mark is it's one dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, quite honestly, like, let's say that you said, alright, let's say that do this Let's say that the the stretch of games played in December was played by Deshaun Watson. The Cleveland Browns would be five or six on this list. Does that still right? include the Texans' loss going the That's same fine. way? <laughs> Have the Texans' loss go the same way. Just say that you got four straight games of Watson thrown for over 300 yards. Just everything else remains the same. And the success that they had offensively was with Deshaun Watson. They would be ranked in the top five or six in the league because the roster's that good. 
and they're going to be nimble with the free agency, and they're going to be good with the cap, and they're not their roster's going to be good. But the, their question is one that is not finite at all, and and is completely unknown. And it is what in the hell is Deshaun Watson in twenty twenty four? So Flacco was was it four out of the five right at the end for Flacco, or was yeah right? And they, so he was good yeah. in the four wins, really good. Um, would any of those games individually be Deshaun's best game as a Brown if he had no, those lines? His best game as a Brown was the game against Baltimore before he got hurt, where he completed his last seven, last fourteen passes. Right, that was his best game as a Brown. And that's so, why yeah, I always like, talk about it with his. His moments are like in a half or in a quarter. He, it doesn't feel yeah. like he's actually put together a whole game. No, no. Play. I mean, that, like the game that Flacco had in Tech in Houston when Amari set the record, like that would be better than anything Watson's done. Yeah, so I'm, you're right. I mean, 12 is a good spot for them because of how good the roster is. Still able to make the playoffs by bringing in Flacco in the middle of the year. So that's like a notion to how good it is. But can they actually elevate with the quarterback when Deshaun Watson is under center? Just real quick. The bottom of this, they have their 2024 NFL MVP predictions. Yeah. Really got on a limb here. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Jalen, <laughs> Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Oh, how'd they come up with that well, list? <laughs> here's this is even more fun. According to Charlie Campbell, Jerry Jones was very close to firing Mike McCarthy, but had to be talked out of it. Jones was going to give an interview to Jason Witten had he fired McCarthy. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> what? Please get the cameras rolling, man. When does that series drop? What's Jarrah up to? I would be. That's all I want. I know it's a completely different job, but like, remember when Jason Witten just jumped into the booth and it wasn't right? Yeah. I would be very concerned about just jumping into head coach of an NFL team. Well, it is leap year. I mean, to me, this, you guys, for some reason, I don't know why this popped in my head, but you guys have seen Veep, right? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel like everybody is around Jerry, just enabling and just. Going, what are you doing? And then, but what are you going to do? Like he's running yeah. the show. So then, like, privately, they'll all talk. You know, yeah. I don't know about like, that. What that doesn't make doing? any sense. But right. oh, but in the meeting, yeah, great job, Jerry. Go around the combine coming up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. We have so many local shows. I can't fit them in a ten-second promo. So let's just say we're live and local all damn day. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. And Bishop and Friends is sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss without medications. A solution for weight loss. Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Um, I did get an update. So, uh, Tim, with this on social, Pete Maravich averaged 38.1 field goal attempts per game as a Tiger. Jeez. 38. So, yeah, what did I say? So, for comparison, Caitlin Clark, who I relies on for much of the offensive production, is averaging 19.9 shots per game across her four years with the Hawkeyes. It's so, his volume is double. Year, yeah. his, his shot volume was double. It would have ha- it had to be to get to 40 with no threes. I mean, he would average 60 a game if there were threes. And how many? Yeah, I wonder how many shots like per game like in games were back then it's actually weird a lot of times in college basketball when you look back at it the two before the three scores were actually higher because teams were more efficient 
now the NBA, it went up because the best shooter, you get to the best shooters. There's a lot of people who are just enamored with shooting the three in college and can't do it. And so the, the score's actually gone down. The NBA's did both because in the 80s, the point totals were really high because it was fast breaking and it was trying to get layups. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was this notion of, Let's slow the game down. Let's muddy it. And this was the Jordan rules. This is what the Pistons did. And then the probably the the best or maybe as it were the worst example of it was like when the Knicks would play the Rockets in the finals and the scores would be the finals game scores would be like 75, 66. Like those are some of the final scores yeah. in like the 70s. It was crazy. Um, so that that is probably the 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 worst of it. And now it's back to every, now everybody can shoot. You're Guys right on the college 70 side. randomly. So I just pulled up a game, the game from last night. This is a high scoring game this was tennessee and auburn last night tennessee won 92 uh, to 84 so the point uh, the shot attempts for tennessee in a 92 point win uh was 55 so just they shot they shot 55 shots in the game so maravich would have shot half of that well no but then they also have 17 <laughs> threes they shot 17 threes in the game so i guess that gets you to 73 so half the shots well you don't More add the threes half. the threes are part of field goals oh are they yeah they're not separate stats. The you just take the you just extrapolate threes from it. The total is still has the number oh, of the threes totals in there. The total. So like if I pull up a box score, the field goals are representative of it's similar all to, of them. to sacks and tackles for loss. Tackles for loss take in everything, okay. but then you can take out. Okay, then the it's sacks. fifty-five. Then yeah. it's fifty-five. It's fifty-five is the number. Now they shot thirty-five free throws, which Maravich would have to do a healthy dose of that too to get to forty-four a game. Um, but that's. That's getting after it. Where's Mad Dog coming out <laughs> defending Maravich about, yeah, like, you couldn't do it. James Harden does and go out and, and just draw a foul. Me, you're at the line 30 yeah. times a game. That's to me. That's me. Pete Maravich. Talk about Pete Maravich. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how that was going to go. Um, the combine is ongoing in Indy. I'd be honest with you guys. I thought there'd be more news. I really would. It was pretty quiet. It was Monday. You got the, you know, the Bears lying and saying they don't know what they're doing with Caleb Williams. You got... Sean Payton and George Payton, kind of the two brain trust in Denver, kind of going back to back and saying, "Yeah, we're going to have something." There, Russell Wilson will not be with the Bron- with the Broncos. I mean, that's happening in short order, like as soon as next week. Like that's was well known that obviously they're moving off of him. Um, the Cousins thing is pretty fascinating because in talking to people, I think if if the Atlanta Falcons had their way, they'd want Cousins. That's who they would want is, is Kirk Cousins. And if they had him, they feel, you feel like you could win the South. I mean, hell, you could be a contender in the NFC. You could be right there with, with anybody. And the other kind of problem was, and this was something that came up pretty consistently with Justin was the problem with Justin is not only have we not seen enough, we know that he's a great athlete. We've not seen enough, but also what do you do with this contract? How do you? decide what to do with him. He's played four years in the league. You get a, you pick up the fifth-year option, you pay him that. His cap number's three, so you could pay him the $3 million this year, and you can kind of have like a cheap wait and see. But then after that, he can become a free agent if you don't pick up the fifth-year option. So how do you manage that? And he, you don't you haven't had him in your building. And while I think the, the Falcons had – I'm not I – th- I saw it this morning, like minus 250 for him landing in Atlanta. But like does he fit with the type of offense that – they're going to run there, which is the Sean McVay offense. Does he fit that? And the answer to that might be no. The Falcons are a really interesting organization right now because 
they've done their plan a little bit differently than we've really seen from many teams where they they just decided we are just going to get as many weapons as possible and we'll figure out the quarterback later. And so far it has not worked out. If it does work out, I wonder how people would react to that. But I don't know if Justin Fields is the guy that that works out with. It seems intriguing because, but like you've said it many times, it's not Madden. Can't just no. throw in the quarterback and, oh, now you've elevated a quarterback. Does it actually work with the players that you have in the offense you want to run? There's also an update to uh, that Instagram story that had Justin Fields in it a couple oh, okay. days ago that his okay. manager uh, or the person reported to be his manager posted. Apparently, it was just him mimicking how they used to be on the kickoff team back in high school. So how guys used to act when they were on the line for kickoffs and jumping around and... Oh. clapping their hands. And then I'm going home. Then why wasn't it captioned like that? <laughs> because you love it. Look what they did. They got to steal the still little thunder at the combine. I, I do think one of the one thing on the Caleb Williams front, I, I teased this, so I should deliver on it uh, earlier. Um, the, the Caleb's, I've heard, I heard this consistently over there. They got to get it figured out with Caleb Williams' dad. So he appears to be kind of like a less out there publicly LeVar Ball. And, you know, there was the reports of he wants a piece of ownership of a team and yeah. all of this stuff, which is the NFL would laugh. Quite honestly, the NFL doesn't need Caleb Williams at all. Also, Caleb. <laughs> they don't need him at all. Like, if he, you want to, you go play, go play another year at USC, right? They don't need him this year. They don't need him next year. The, the, the NFL would move on in a blip without him. Like, this isn't hoops. You're not Wembenyama. They don't need him. Also, if it works, NFL would be fine without Caleb Williams ever playing it down. It's a stupid request from them, too, because, I mean, yeah, you'd like to have ownership, and that's a lot of equity, and that would be really important. One, it's like against NFL rules for a sitting player to be in ownership. So I don't know if you try to give it to your family. I don't even know how they'd try to get through that. But the other thing is, if you if it works out the way that it's supposed to for a number one overall pick like Caleb Williams with the way people really, really like him coming into this draft, he's going to make... Three hundred million, five hundred million dollars in his yeah. career, like over t- two or three contracts. Like it's you're going to be okay. Kyler Murray's dad had an issue. Remember, remember when yeah. he was on the Rich Eisen show and he was asked a question by Rich, just straight up, and he like looked off camera to yeah, like his, his dad. dad. That was really weird to me. That was, and probably should have been a, a harbinger of things to come. Right? You maybe should have taken a little bit bigger note of that because- before he had to put a Call of Duty clause in his contract. <laughs> Right, that maybe there was a little bit more to it than that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the Williams thing is is going to be pretty fascinating. His talent, I think, will be kind of the will win out, and it will be fine. But one consistent conversation that was had over there a lot was that he's got a dad problem, and are you sure you want to sign up for all that comes with all of that? So that'll be that might be something worth watching. And if you're a team that doesn't, you know, maybe that is how a Jaden Daniels or a Drake may pop up there and, and end up going a little higher than, than perhaps previously thought. Uh, all right, coming up next, Jackets back on home ice tonight against the Hurricanes after a tough loss last night on in Madison Square Garden. We'll have a little Shelly time coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. This Buckeye Football Impact Report is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse on The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Ohio State Football Impact Report. The highest regarded receiver in this recruiting class is a young man by the name of Jeremiah Smith. Bill Kerlick of Bucknuts gives us the full description. Jeremiah Smith is the number one player in the country in the 247 player recruiting rankings, and he deserves that nod. He's that good. Great speed, knows how to get open. You know, I'm not going to say he's 
Marvin Harrison Jr. at this conjuncture of Jeremiah's career, but that's who he reminds me of some in that his size, speed, athletic combination is along the lines of a Marvin Harrison Jr. I think that Jeremiah Smith uh, is going to be on the field for Ohio State his first season. He's absolutely a guy that you look at and say, this eventually is a three-and-done first-round draft choice in the NFL. This report was brought to you by Safelite Autoglass. I'm Matt Andrews on the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Hi, this is Paul Keels. This Buckeye season, don't let a broken windshield ruin your game plan. Safelite Autoglass makes it easy to get your windshield fixed with their mobile glass shops all over central Ohio. They can come to you anywhere, giving Buckeye fans more time for game time. OH. Man, I love that. Schedule at SafeLight.com. SafeLight Autoglass is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. SafeLight Repair, SafeLight Replace. Libman makes a difference. The Libman Mop Crew is a part of our winning team. The Libman Mop Crew makes sure the hardwood is safe and clean for the players every game at the Schottenstein Center. No matter what kind of flooring you have at your home court, Libman has the tools to keep it clean. Our mops, brooms, and brushes are proudly family-made in the USA. Visit Libman.com to see our whole lineup and for a store locator. That's Libman.com. Libman, proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. For more than 35 years, Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse has been known by Buckeye Nation as serving the best steaks in the city. Our thick-cut, aged steaks have been a staple in Columbus with three locations in Upper Arlington, Dublin, and downtown. Hyde Park is proud to introduce our newly added wine room at the downtown Columbus location, where a new elegance in dining will surround you. And coupled with live entertainment every weekend, Hyde Park will be the perfect setting for any occasion or the perfect night out. Hyde Park is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Drop the gloves. It's Shelly time. Sponsored by Schottenstein Roofing. Proud partner of the Columbus Blue Jackets. All right, out on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. A real treat. Back-to-back Shelly times. One yesterday. Uh, we did. We can't win two in a row, Joe. Just can't do it. Not in the cards. No, it's a tall task for the Jackets this season, isn't it? Yeah, it is, man. I mean, now the Rangers won 11 <laughs> I mean, and 12. You give them the loss. Panarin gets two, which always is a bit of a salt in the yeah. wound. we got to watch that. But they're really good. Yeah, it's hard to get, you know, five good periods together. We've seen that at times. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good hockey team. That's a great goaltender. He's won six in a row. Shesterkin coming in. Those are the games where it has to be – everything has to go your way, right? you, you mm-hmm. got to have – 
a goal uh, from the blue line, the power play's got to score. You got to have someone on the, in the depth scoring score, and your top players have got to drive it. That's got to be every night, and you got to have the saves. So you know, turnover by Goodbranson ends up in the back of the net. You know, that's that's one of those plays where I think great teams get that save. You look at we just saw Tampa, we just saw New York. There's going to be breakdowns within games, and it's I'm not just calling out Elvis. I'm just saying that it's a three on one. With the fox with the puck on a turnover, um, you know, one of those two would have been nice to get the save. And I thought Elvis looked really good last night. I thought he was really locked in. He was quiet, uh, which is good. But the combination of everyone, everyone being on top of their game, we haven't seen it much this season from the Blue Jackets. And that's what they have to have to beat teams like Carolina tonight, for example. Yeah, right. I mean, you, so you play the Rangers. They got their 83 for our audience, their 83 points on the season. Carolina in here tonight. What do they have? 76, second in the Metro. So another full day. You mentioned Elvis there and, and quiet hands. You mentioned, I, I do, it looked decent from what I saw. I, and, and I, I do wonder, like, is, is he in a, and I, I know you don't have it necessarily privy to all this information, but it's like, is he playing to be, to like showcase for every, somebody else? <laughs> How much of the, is everybody? I mean, what do you I make think of this? They all Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. I mean, I, you don't think that as a player, honestly, until you're traded once. That's the way I see it. Once you're traded once, you're like, oh, you know, this. When I got traded, I thought there was no way I was going to get traded. I had no idea. I was completely oblivious. And then, you know, he's the guy that came out and said he wants to be number one. They asked him if he demanded a trade. He kind of walked around that and saying no, but. Maybe in his head he is. I, I don't know. I feel like he likes being on the team. He wants to play for the team. But I, I think in a situation where, you know, it's again where you're the, a team that's the bottom five in the National Hockey League, the general manager's out. I mean, you kind of, I think anyone now is thinking, what, what are they going to do here? Am I going to be a part of it? Yeah. And for, 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 I guess we were talking about this yesterday for, for JD, like, this is the thing that you got to be careful of though, right? And this probably won't, that'll be the new general manager's job. Like, I saw the rankings of like our prospect rankings, like top five in the NHL, like all of this talent, all this young talent. But at some point you have to get a little old, don't you, Jode? Like, and I'm not saying this yeah. in regard to Elvis. I'm just saying in general, like you can't always, you can't just stay young. Like at some point you, these young talented guys have got to go. So that's, it's like the growing pains of that, right? Like you kind of have to, well, how do you, I mean, you tell me, how do you handle that? Well, don't you think, like a guy like Ken Johnson, okay, you went down yeah. and played really well in the American Hockey League. I played in American Chris Pronger yesterday, he's a Hall of Famer. He played in American Hockey League. We talked about the moments of looking back at that and, and, and what that meant um, on your on the, our journeys to play in the National Hockey League. His brother, Sean, has a podcast, so I was on with his, both brothers and spent a lot of time on the journey and what it meant. And, you know, Ken Johnson's a player who is a little too light in battle sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he went to the American Hockey played, League and played well, and he came back up. And it's a great example of a kid who now Pascal Vincent has to teach him here in Columbus in the National Hockey League. He's coaching his details. So last night he missed a shift on the power play because he made a turnover. Um, and then Nylander went out there. Well, yeah. in my opinion... Ken Johnson should be in the American Hockey League because he would be running a power play, playing top minutes, being the number one player on the team. And then next season he could come in here and relax and play. This is a team that's, you know, it's hard for to have a player like that have to learn on the fly. 
I think it takes away from some things, and that's just one example of, yeah, we have young, there's young prospects here, and they can turn old, but they've also got to play in the right situation, in my mind. And, you know, the pieces that they have can be moved out for older pieces. That's the value of having all these high-end prospects. All these guys want to play in the top six or play top four D minutes. Well, they can't all do that. So at some point, other teams are going to, you're going to make those moves with other teams where these great pieces that you have in young players may not play for the Blue Jackets, but they'll be a part of stocking and building the team that is going to win a championship here. That's what, I guess that's the last thing you said there is a thing that I am, that's kind of where I am. Like, we, you can't just always be young, <laughs> you know? And no, you bring know. up the Johnson thing. You bring up the Johnson yeah. thing. I think you've been on that all year, and I, I, you were one of the first on it. Like, yeah, everyone's excited to see the kid play, but, but at the same time, like, we need him to be a dude here. Like, we yeah. can't have him not being a dude. So, what value is the ice time if you're not, if it's not the right ice time? If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. And this is a young man starting his career. Yes. And I, you know, I, I don't read what people say. Oh, he's tearing up the American Hockey League. It doesn't matter. He should be. Yes. Listen, high school hockey, they have four lines, okay? I'd rather have my son playing JV and playing more minutes on a lesser team than playing lesser minutes on a higher team. You understand what I'm saying? Young players are better off playing a lower level and dominating than playing a higher level and not playing because you're really not playing your game when you're playing 8 to 12 minutes. I played 6 minutes. It's like I had handcuffs on because if I made a mistake, guess what? My night was over. Yeah, that's not playing hockey. That's why that American Hockey League guys go down there and tear it up because they they're playing to their instincts. And, and when you have someone that's too worried about the you know where he's supposed to be on the forecheck, on the back check, uh, you know, in the neutral zone, you get locked up. And when yeah. you're locked up, you're not you're not the athlete that you're there to be. No, no, you want them all 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And, and sometimes that's really hard to happen, uh, at this level. Uh, this, this Caroline team's been good for a long time. Uh, it's been, they've been in the mix for a long time. They've knocked on the door for a long time. As, as you think about what you're trying to aspire to be, we've been looking up at them for a while now. What have they done right? What do you like about the way that they've built it there? Uh, I love that they know exactly what they are. And, uh, yeah, their head coach is, he portrays and brings the best out of everyone. You, you feel like he's in it with them, which a lot of good coaches do. But he's a guy who's played over a thousand games. Uh, he, he's done it all. He's won Stanley Cups. Is he in the Hall of Fame? He's actually. Oh, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. I should know that. Anyways, he's a Hall of Fame guy. We'll say that. Yeah. And you know, he's got guys that he's. You know, he, he played with uh, with Stahl. He he played with with um, Jordan Stahl there. You know, who, who's the captain? Played against him. He. They've handed off this. You know they're gonna. They have to play as a complete team. They do have. They don't have any superstars per se, but their stars put the work in ahead of the the skill. And I think they're all bought into that Rod Brandmore system. So, you know, the word we use is identity. And you think about the Carolina Hurricanes. It's almost like thinking about the New Jersey Devils back in the '90s, where they were gonna play one way. It was gonna be a long light night, and you had to work for every inch of ice. Not a Hall of Famer. He's not. Eh? Yeah, Jeez, that I shouldn't. I should know that. You know who else isn't? Is John Leclaire, Which I mean, I saw that. That's arguable. Right? I like. Yeah. John, I love John Leclerc. And there's well, a it's funny. More. Um, it's funny we stumbled into this because I was actually going to ask you about this. I was going to save for another day, but like the threshold in the NHL Hall of Fame seems to be the highest of any of the Hall of Fames. I was looking at who's not in, and I'm like, my God, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. 
I mean, there is a lot of great players who we grew up, I grew up idolizing sure. who are not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, guys have um, huge statistical accumulation, tons of games, cups. Like, man, that's a tough that's a tough nut to crack that ticket to Toronto, my friend. Um, absolutely. All right, give me a uh, who you got to where, where you where you what are you interested in tonight? Well, how about Voronkov yesterday? Big fight. Yep, I didn't score, but um, tonight it's gonna, this is a tough game. This is a game where you watch very close to see what you got, and and. You know, you're going to New York last night. It was a big, big loss. You get on the flight, get home at 2 a.m., 1.32 a.m. So I'm going to look at the guys, the the character guys. I'm going to look at Cole Sillinger, Boone Jenner, Zach Wierenski, Sean Corrale. The guys that drive the bus, and then we'll see who uh, who pops here tonight. But I, I like Cole Sillinger's game last night. I think he got a little stuck on that line with Johnson and Bemstrom. Now he's Johnson and Nylander. Remember he was playing with Jenner? Yep. Remember, he was playing with Chinnikov and Goodrow. You know, he was getting some footing there. But now, that he, you know, there's, let's see if that line can get going. But I'm going to watch Cole all night. And we're not doing the game. It's ESPN. So me and Rimmer will be oh. floating around Nationwide. Oh, gosh. What a treat for the fans to see you in the rims. Is he going to be in a yeah. sweatsuit? Maybe a track jacket or something like that? Or is he fully suited? Yeah, we'll see. He's got a leisure suit. Maybe Rimmer will wear that one and I'll, uh, I'll keep to the shirt and tie. But we'll, we'll see. I- yeah, I'd like to see him. That's my request for him. I need him in a leisure suit tonight, kind of idling well, and around. He's got the Air Jordans. I don't know if you saw it. He's got the old black and white Air Jordans. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Good talking to you, buddy. All right. Have a great day. You too, pal. Thanks. All right. A little bit of Shelly time with you here uh, on a Thursday. Jackets and Canes tonight at Nationwide. Three things on a Thursday up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. All the 10 TV people come over to our side of the building to take a deuce. That should tell you something about how we operate. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Not interested in Iowa football? Too bad. Shops will tell you about it anyway. This is Bishop and Friends. Hi, right, Reese, what do we have on the poll today? Daily Fan Poll sponsored by ER Auto Care, Masters of Our Craft. Today's Daily Fan Poll asks, who will win Sunday's Ohio State women's game at Iowa, Buckeyes and Hawkeyes, your only two options. Can't say you don't care in this one. Buckeyes getting 59% of respondents to the Daily Fan Poll. Wow, even on the local poll, it's pretty close. Usually when you put Buckeyes against anybody, it's yeah. 90% Buckeyes. That's interesting. So it's a national televised game on Fox. It is her last home game. I guess theoretically they Presumably, games in the yes. tournament. Yeah. I have a hard t- I mean, that's good. You want to talk about uphill? That's as going to be as uphill for the Buckeyes as can be. Especially because they, the they got her in an overtime yeah. game earlier yeah. at their yeah. place. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Going to be as uphill as, as it can be. All right, time for three things on a Thursday. Hit it. One, two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. Number one for me. I saw the damnedest thing this morning. So it's cold. But I was looking at the forecast. There's no real chance of of any sort of snow of any significant margins. And it's going to be really warm by, what, Sunday? Saturday? It starts warming up almost immediately. They were salting my road. 
They have it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> they have nailed it. Yeah, they got to use it because they haven't. Because we have had an absurdly mild winter. So I just think he just did it like we got a lot of salt in here, man. We got to we got to use this stuff. I couldn't believe it. Does the chemistry of salt go away after a year? Does it have some sort of half life that I don't know? All about? I Couldn't know you just save it? Is it wreaks havoc on pavement? So on my driveway, I, I now I'm gonna have to go blow it all off the driveway or eat this eat the cement. Mm-hmm. First one for me, uh, as I've been talking about all this week, really the last few weeks, it's trip time. Stonehenge, Churchill War Rooms, Jameson, Guinness, that's on the same day. Piccadilly Circus, we'll go there. We were talking yesterday, I'm going to have a meat pie. Obviously, a few cold pints while I'm over there. I'm very excited, and I'm, I'm ready to get going at this point. Love hanging out with you guys, but you I'm, I'm happy that it's now 11.52. Yeah, you did a good job this week. First one from me, friend of the program, Brad Crawford, uh, says he was told earlier this week an extension and a salary bump's coming for Lamont Paris at South Carolina. Gamecocks expect to keep him as a coach for a long time. He was somebody that I liked a lot. Um, by the way, Michi, great. They, they won last night. South Carolina did. That's a tough one. That's a tough one right there. Uh, number two for me. So I saw this this morning uh, early. The Amazon driver, Buddy, was running around and at the time I was I was taping something and the Amazon driver pulled to the drive now he's a golden retriever he's a year old the Amazon driver would not get out of the car of of the van like would not get out of the delivery vehicle and he stood holding the boxes and buddy was just kind of staring at him wagging his tail I guess the question is if you are not familiar with dogs what level of fear is reasonable for a golden retriever uh, <laughs> Minimal? There are some people who just any dog, they just freak I mean, out. Yeah. It's like the most friendly. I've never seen a mean golden retriever ever. Well, I've never understood why people like an Amazon driver or like I had a plumber. It's on me. Like he's got to be put away. It's on me. It's not, I mean, he's got his electric fence he screws around her in. So, I mean, that's, it's on me. He's, I get it. But like, is it reasonable to be fearful of a golden retriever? I had a plumber come in once who, like, like I had to put the dog, like, in a different room, like, the whole time he was there. And I was like, well, why did you get into a job where you go into other people's houses if you're that afraid of dogs? Yeah. I don't quite get that sometimes, but yeah, it, it is, know. you're right, it is ultimately on us, the owners, on to make sure me. that the, yeah. Thanks to Jen Zan, as we're talking about the dog, she's watching Kit for us most of the days that we are gone. So it's the longest that we've ever left her. It's pretty much the longest vacation we've ever, definitely the two of us have ever taken together. So I'm happy that she'll be at home most of the time and not in the kennel the whole time, but she's still going to miss us. She has very much taken note of the suitcases being packed the last couple of days. So thing, I know it's just one game, and it was the second in a back-to-back, but uh, Andre Drummond bullied the Cavs in the glass last night. He had 26 in their double overtime win. It, it kind of gave me flashbacks of the Knicks doing the same to the Cavaliers in the first round last year. I'm like a day removed of saying they're going to win the NBA title, and then Drummond does that. That's why it, you can't. It, it's 82 games. Still winning the title, baby. You know what I mean? It's just 82 games. It's so difficult to try to make a big deal what happens night to night so you just i try to pay attention like when they're in full when everybody's fully engaged right so they had a big moment against dallas i don't think what happened last night takes away from that um i have one request slash demand for you as you go to ireland chops okay and, and, and only one you need to go to guinness which you told me you're going to do i need a picture or some sort of a greeting with my man fergal murray <laughs> The master distiller at, at, at Guinness. I I need 
that to happen. You need to meet him. Use Jen if you need to. Maybe she could smooth her way in. That's smart. But Fergal Murray needs to meet you. There needs to be a picture of you with Fergal Murray. And then you remember, because we do it every yes. every St. Patrick's Day. I'll be Patty's back on Day. March 12th. It'll be right so in the So you'll be week. back. You're going to go right into it. And I want the saver. I want all of it. Fergal Murray, that's your task. I'll try to figure that out. As we are going on our first international trip together, it's the first time I've ever had a passport, so we're thinking, well, we could use that for other things. And one that's really stood out to us is Toronto, mainly because it's only a a six-and-a-half-hour car ride, and we like to explore cities. Jen from New York has a really good lay of like walking around cities and what to do. We've also talked about going to TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, before. It's always in September, so it juts up with football season, but we might be able to get that done. All I know is that I have a passport, and I may as well use it now it's a good town lance leipold uh, is given a press conference right now he was given uh, a new contract and a couple more dollars from kansas was asked if the jayhawks could host a first round cfp game at arrowhead quote it's in the contract per kansas athletic director travis goff that's from dennis dodd who's in lawrence right now so they're just because they're not big enough so you know that's what gene said that member about look we're going to play indoors and get to a playoff yeah i know um, but you, look, it's money. <laughs> 70,000 seats, bigger than 40. Uh, so that's, that's the way that that thing goes. Have a good trip, Chops. Uh, Roth and Ice are coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. The two most mature people working at the radio station. And that's just because they wear pants. The pervert and the skivvies. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays at noon. The Fan. It's a fan action update. This action update is brought to you by ESPN Bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Time to update the college basketball national championship odds. UConn's the favorite at plus 450. Houston and Purdue are 7-1. Arizona 12-1. Tennessee 13-1. In women's college basketball, South Carolina's the heavy favorite to win it all at minus 115. Iowa's plus 650. And the Ohio State Buckeyes are 15-1 to to win it all. For your ESPN Bet action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Good afternoon. I'm Matt Andrews. Ohio State avenged his lone Big Ten loss on December 30th in Ann Arbor and soundly beat the Wolverines last night. The final 67-51 here in Columbus. Ohio State claims the outright Big Ten championship. Kevin McGuff talked about the turning point in the second half. You know, I thought our press was way more effective in that third quarter than at any point in the first half. And we got some turnovers, some easy baskets, and I thought we at that point we really started to, to wear on them. Second-ranked Ohio State is at number six Iowa on the fan here Sunday at 1 o'clock. Buckeye men will host Nebraska tonight at the Value City Arena. OSU lost in late January in Lincoln, 83-69. Buckeye 16-12 on the year. Tonight's game tips at 6.30. Coverage 5.30 here on the fan. Breaking sports news when it happens on the Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. 
Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.